Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, it's that time of year, people. The All-Star Game is in the books. The U.S. is tuning up for the Olympics. We got Game 4 of the NBA Finals tonight. You know, this time of year has never really happened before, has it? <laughs> this is... We finished the All-Star Game. Now let's get back to the NBA Finals. I am looking forward to them being on a uh, quote-unquote regular slash normal calendar. Whatever the traditional, I think, is probably the word I'm looking for. The traditional calendar. I'm just all out of sorts. Uh, Game 4 tonight, PK, and I'll spend a lot of time on this coming up later in the hour. But I think that the one thing we've seen in the first three games, a team that's played with more energy. The team that's won 50-50 balls. The team that's out-rebounded the opponent, they've won the game. There's a lot of talent, a lot of athleticism, and a lot of skill on both teams. Bucks are a little more top-heavy, but the Suns have more depth, so you can go back and forth on all of that, but go win the 50-50 balls. We can talk uh, analytics, we can talk strategy and spacing, and but when it's a loose ball, whether that's a rebound or whether that's a, uh, a deflected pass or a deflected dribble or something, get that ball. The team that has done it has won the first three games. Two for the Suns, one for the Bucks. I don't expect Antetokounmpo to have another 40-point game because who does that? But I can't rule it out. So we'll be watching tonight. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's a huge game. And the Suns win. They go home with a chance to clinch at home. Their first NBA title in front of their home fans, which was always the best scenario. I, I, if I were a Suns fan, if it were the Jazz. I mean, the Jazz um, would have had a home court, right? Because they had the best record in the NBA. I would have rather Jazz win in five than in four. Who wants a sweep so you win on the road? Win at home. So it's a great setup for the Suns if they can pull it off. But the Bucks win. 2-2. They got momentum on their side. And a lot of pressure on Phoenix as it goes back to Arizona for Game 5 Saturday night. All right, we'll get to more of that, uh, more of that game coming up. Uh, the other basketball, the U.S. qualifying for the Olympics. So... Argentina has not been good in this tournament. They got blown out by Nigeria. Uh, they're now 0-3 after losing to the U.S., but for the U.S., who cares? They just need to win a game. They need to see the ball go in the basket. They need to win a game. They need to get that, uh, get that feeling, get that vibe back, and they did, 108-80. to And they pretty much controlled the game all along and really blew it open there in the second half. Uh, nobody really going off. Spread the points around, spread the minutes around, I think 17 or whatever for uh, Lillard and for uh, Durant. So, you know, it, it was – a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know, the interesting thing is now after these games is we consistently hear Greg Popovich, the USA coach, talk about getting in shape. That Some of these guys haven't been playing for a while now. Um, not so much Durant because they had a second-round series, so Durant only shut it down for two or three weeks, but some guys shut it down for more than a month and that uh, they could really see it defensively. So maybe that's, like the, maybe that's the, the biggest thing. Uh, when you listen to him talk, I, I think the familiarity really matters, but they're not talking about that. They're talking about getting in better shape and defending better and staying in front of people and not wearing down over the course of a game. So see if it pays off. They don't play now for the next couple of days. They've got uh, another game with Australia on Friday and then Spain on Sunday. Spain historically good. I don't know how good they are now. Um, and Australia is really pretty good and, and beat them and is uh, definitely in the medal conversation. It was weird watching Argentina because Argentina used to be really good, um, but the Manu Ginobili generation is largely gone, except for Luis Scola. <laughs> I mean, I knew he was on the team. I saw it on the rosters, and you know, I saw it um, online before I watched the game. <laughs> but honestly, he's lost weight. He's thinner. 
and he's lost two-thirds of his hair. His hair's way shorter, and he's totally gray over the years. Uh, and it really shows because he's got jet black hair. You know, if you got hair my color, it doesn't really show up. But when your hair is jet black, woo, shows up immediately, big time. So it was really, really weird. They said he'd been playing in Italy the last couple of years. He's in his 40s now. I mean, Scola's just been, he's been around forever. It <laughs> just, just keeps going. But hey, if you're doing what you love, and they're still paying you to do what you love, and Italy's a pretty high level in Europe. I don't know what club he's with, so I guess that matters. But uh, Italy, that's that's a good league. That's a good country playing basketball in. That's high end. So, Scola, go figure. So, does that win mean they're going to medal? No. Of course, the losses didn't mean they aren't going to medal. Uh, but Argentina's kind of the, I think, uh, you know, the bottom half of the Olympic uh, Olympic teams. There are bigger tests to come. And a bigger test on Friday. As we get close to the games, you expect them to play better. And then there's the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. They did a few different things with the game. One, miking up players and literally talking to players who were in the game while they were playing. Like Fernando Tatis Jr., Padre shortstop is there, and they're just chatting him up during the game. <laughs> Don't distract the guy, <laughs> Uh, and and then they were also talking to uh, Freddie Freeman, the Braves' first baseman. And literally, they're talking to him a minute later as a high chopper over his head down the right field line. <laughs> uh, technology. They just put the earpiece in, the microphone. And then it's really weird when guys are running the bases and they don't know they're mic'd up. But if you're talking to Freddie Freeman like Aaron Judge was and you're standing within two feet, you better let him know so he doesn't say anything. Hello. <laughs> Oops. What did he just blurt out there? So that was kind of weird. As far as the game, uh, familiar. American League wins again. That's eight in a row, and that is, um, I think it's 17 out of 20, something like that. Uh, the American League just rolling in these things, five to two. Shohei Otani was great on the mound. Um, one, two, three, first inning, the only inning he pitched, and then he ground out a couple times. And Fernando Tatis Jr. had a couple pitches he could have hit out of the park, but he didn't. Long fly balls. The second one longer than the first. first one was... You know, left and not to the track and pretty But the center went in what is a big ballpark. Uh, he hit a deep, but he just didn't quite catch all of it. So no home runs from him. Vlad Guerrero Jr. gets the MVP because he did homer. He hit one almost up to the concourse above all the seats. I mean, it looked like he hit it three or four rows from the top there. He really crushed it. And it was the longest all-star home run in 10 years. Would have been out in every ballpark. They got all those stats now. And he drove in another run, so he ends up being the MVP. His dad um, has uh, also homered. He homered in, I think, the 2004 All-Star Game. So they had a graphic up there that uh, it was the the father-son All-Star home run combos now are the Guerreros and the Griffies and the Bonds. And there you go. That's it. Father-son combos. Pretty much who you would expect, quite frankly. There are no real surprises, no outliers there. Uh, Pretty much what you would suspect. So for baseball now, a little bit of downtime and then uh, and then back to it with the All-Star Game in Denver in the books and the American League winning again. All right, coming up this morning, we have got more for you on the NBA Finals. Uh, we're going to talk with a columnist from Arizona. Really interesting situation for the Suns to be in now. Uh, only in the Finals for the third time, up 2-0, feeling good. Now it's 2-1. And if they win, they really are in control. But, man, if they don't and if Giannis goes off again, that would be a bad feeling. That would be a bad feeling. So we'll do that coming up next. DJ and PK, welcome in on a Wednesday morning. Coming up later this morning, we got Bob Casper. we got our draft for the British Open, fourth and final major 
of the year. It sounds weird to say that. I'm used to having the PGA in August, but the PGA is not in August anymore. So this is the fourth and final major of the year. All right, so we got Bob Casper coming up later this morning. We'll do our draft, and we'll pick our golfers and uh, see who we think might be able to win it all. All right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yesterday we had Greg Moore on late in the show, and he's a columnist for the Arizona Republic. Uh, and, and we want to talk Arizona State and the football and whatever that scandal and recruiting violations or whatever, but primarily have him on to talk NBA Finals. And we got game four tonight. It's obviously a huge game because the home team has won each of the first three games. But if you step aside from that, Giannis has got it rolling. In game one, coming back from the knee injury a little earlier than we expected, don't know how he felt because guys don't like to talk about that. They don't admit weakness and let people know what they can't do. 20 points, 18 boards. He had a good game. Actually, had a very good game, but the Suns won. Now in the last two, he's gone for 40. And the Sun, and the, the Suns won game two, and the Bucks win game three. And so while the Bucks need to win at home because nobody wants to be down 3-1, and you certainly don't want to be down 3-1 when you got two of the last three on the road. But from the other perspective, if you're the Suns, you can't be 2-2 when you had a gimme game because Giannis wasn't at full strength, and then he's lit you up three games in a row. And you got no handle on him whatsoever. And you're really afraid to double him and help on him because they've surrounded him with shooters. He's not a great three-point shooter. But, man, you don't want Middleton to have a three. You don't want Holiday to have a three. You don't want Lopez or Connaughton to have a three. So there's a lot of questions for this game. So we want to run them by him, and we'll get in a little Sun Devil talk at the end. But primarily about this final and how the Suns, after a decade of misery, have turned it around, gotten to a final, and now can they seal the deal here? They've got 14 of the 16. Can they get the last two? So, here he is. A little time with the columnist for the Arizona Republic on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Greg, good morning. Hey, good morning. We are curious. Was that just a little blip and the Suns are going to have the gentleman sweep, as the cliche goes, and celebrate an NBA title at home in Game 5, or... They don't have an answer for Giannis, and this series is about to turn on its head. You've been watching it. What are you thinking? Uh, that's a great question, man. Um, let me start with the Giannis part. Th- nobody's going to have a solution for Giannis. Are you kidding me? The guy's a two-time MVP. The guy scored 42 points in Game 2 in a loss. In my mind, Giannis playing the way he's playing actually is reminiscent of like Allen Iverson going against the Lakers and as much as he could do whatever he wanted back then, and the Lakers still were going to win. Now, if the Phoenix Suns are going to take the gentleman's sweep, which is what, frankly, every fan in the Valley ought to be hoping for. I mean, isn't winning a championship on the road just like, ah, <laughs> we can't celebrate the same way? 
which I know is sort of like asking two for two bikes and two Nintendos for Christmas, but, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I feel like the Phoenix Suns have the ability to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in a number of ways. And I feel like the Bucks only have one way of beating the Phoenix Suns. So if you're asking me, do I think it was a big deal that the Suns lost by 20 in Game 3 in Milwaukee? I'm going to say no. I just think that this is one of those things that happens in championship basketball. I wrote this for the Republic very recently. If you just take a look at the modern history of the NBA Finals, blowout losses happen even to the team that eventually wins the series. Is there anything to the fact that Booker didn't play in the fourth quarter the other night and then he and Monty Williams were talking on the floor and someone asked him afterwards, Booker, uh, what was said, and he said that's between uh, the coach and myself and all that? Is it anything there? doesn't bother me much in as much as Devin Booker's a quiet guy. You're not going to get a whole lot from him. If Monty would have said happy birthday, Devin wouldn't necessarily tell you that. <laughs> I will say that the guy only scored 10 points and he shot 3 of 14, including 1 of 7 for 3. If he does that again, he's hurt. If that happens again, there's something that we don't know about. Because when you take a look at Devin Booker, this guy, when he has a subpar shooting game, he turns around the very next night and has another good game. So he shot uh, 20-something percent uh, against the Bucks in Game 3. And again, I wrote this for the Republic very recently. He's had five nights this season where he shot below 30%. In the follow-up games, he averages 24 points and 45% shooting. So I don't expect Booker's going to have another bad night like that. But if he does, it's a massive problem for the Suns. Do you think Aiton stays out of foul trouble? Because if you're the Bucks, I'm pretty sure you'd go at him and try to get him in foul trouble. Pretty sure they will again. Yeah, for sure. I think if I'm the Suns, I go to to, to Aiton early and often as they did uh, in games one and three. I think in game three, Aiton ended up scoring 12 in the first quarter on six of seven shooting. Uh, and so for me, I would attack. I would fight fire with fire that way. Uh, Monty Williams was saying after the game that there was some inconsistency in the way that the game was called. What Monty said was it's hard to coach DeAndre uh, if I don't know what a legal guarding position is. And that's a legitimate criticism, except for the fact that, you know, Giannis is the only guy who got fouls called on him. If you take a look, the Suns, I think, shot 16 free throws, and I believe the Bucks ended up shooting 26 free throws. That's not that huge of a discrepancy, and the Phoenix Suns have not gotten to the line uh, over the last five, seven years. If anybody knows how to play through not getting calls, it ought to be uh, Devin Booker and the guys. What type of adjustments do you think they make with Antetokounmpo? Uh, you mean the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, defensively. I mean, they, because obviously Aiton got in foul trouble, and that impacted his ability to stay on the floor. So I'm big on throwing a bunch of different bodies out there, which is a little bit tough for the Suns right now uh, because Dario Sark went out. But I think you could put Frank Kaminsky out there. I think you've got Jay Crowder. I think you could even put Tory Craig on a Tentacumpo for a spell. But if it were me, I would just try to make every single thing he does difficult. I'd throw two, three guys at him. I'd throw you know, one guy at him for a couple of plays and then swap it out. I'd mix up his looks, go from zone 
to man. I'd start picking the guy up full court. I'd box him out on everything that happened, regardless of whether he was in the play. And then on the other end, whomever's Atentacumpo's uh, guarding, and I know that he's a fantastic defensive player, but I'd go right at him. If the Milwaukee Bucks are a one-man show, I'm going to say, hey, yo, I'm the Phoenix Suns, and I'm a complete team, and I ain't buying it. You, one guy, can't beat my whole team, and we're going to go at you and make this so difficult on you that if you do it, we'll shake your hand, but we don't think you can. Do you expect Chris Paul to have a big game? He has had some enormous games at points in this postseason. I expect Chris Paul to do what the defense gives him. If the defense drops off like they did in game one and does everything a switch on a pick and roll, I expect Chris Paul to give them everything that, that they can handle uh, from the free throw line. If they go with fighting over the screens, that's going to leave open shooters on the backside. They're going to figure out a way to whip that thing around. And I don't expect that the Phoenix Suns, uh, you know, the guys I call the talent, I'm talking about Cam Johnson, I'm talking about Mikel Bridges, uh, Jay Crowder, Tory Craig. I'm talking about the guys whose names aren't on the marquee. The guys who were largely responsible for the Suns shooting 20 of 40 from three-point range in game two. I would expect those guys to have much more of an impact on the game uh, than they did in game three. And again, this is something that I've written for the Republic. And if you want to follow me at saying more, S-A-Y-I-N-G-M-O-O-R-E, that's on Instagram and Twitter, at saying more. Uh, I think that the key is definitely going to be what the Suns' uh, so-called role players do, what the talent does around the, the major stars. Going big picture for years, the Suns the last decade were a joke, and a lot of that was put on the owner, Robert Sarver. What's the difference that allowed them to get where they were and where they are? So if you're asking me, Greg Moore, sports columnist for the Arizona Republic, and you can find my work at azcentral.com, and I'm at saying more on Twitter, at saying more on Instagram. If you're asking me, I think the beginning was when Robert Sarver, Phoenix Suns owner, stepped up and said, hey, everybody, I've made a lot of mistakes. I thought that being an NBA owner was a lot easier than it was. Steve Nash actually made it. Uh-oh, you just tripped? Fellas, you'll forgive me. My two-year-old just tripped, and I have to pick her up. We forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> so he stepped up, went to the microphone, and said, I thought being an owner was easier. Uh, I've made some mistakes, but I've got this thing figured out. Steve Nash, Steve Nash made me think I was a little bit smarter than I was. Then he hired James Jones uh, to be like a deputy uh, in the front office. James Jones said, hey, guys. I'm going to do any and everything it takes to help make this a winning organization. James Jones played with LeBron James. James Jones played with uh, (laughs) the Miami Heatles. He played with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He played with the Indiana Pacers, uh, those Jermaine O'Neal, Ron Artest teams that were right there on the cusp of an Eastern Conference championship. This guy knows what winning basketball ought to look like. He knows what a winning organization ought to look like. Uh, shortly after Jones was hired, the general manager at the time, Ryan McDonough, who, you know, in a lot of ways is being vindicated by this finals run, Ryan McDonough was fired. James Jones from there went about putting pieces in place where you're just surrounding your superstars with quality guys. And he grew the organization to the point that when Monty Williams showed up, they took a massive step forward. And the next thing you know, Chris Paul comes and boom, and they're in the NBA Finals. 
So if you're asking Greg Moore, sports columnist of the Arizona Republic, father of four, holding a two-year-old while he stands outside, having the pleasure of talking to DK and PK, I'm just having a good time with this conversation, <laughs> fellas. But it goes back to the, the owner saying, hey, yo, everyone, I made a mistake and I'm going to fix it. Accountability is huge, whether that's in sport, business, life. That moment of accountability, I think, really just just set the stage for everything we're seeing today. Okay, you got several kids to raise here, so we need to let you go. But last thing, (laughs) my tag team partner, Patrick Kinahan, is an Arizona State Sun Devil. And there's been some stuff coming about at the athletic department, the football program there. Is this off-season noise, or is this going to impact the football program this season and in seasons going forward? I mean, that's, listen, I don't think it's going to affect the team this season because what's going to happen is they'll circle the wagons, right? They'll do that thing where they say, everyone's coming against us. No one believes in us. They're trying to bring us down. And that's the kind of thing that an 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old can really get behind a message like that, right? But then when the results of the investigation come down, and from everything I'm reading, you know, and I've read what Yahoo has, I've read what uh, my shop, the Arizona Republic has, I've read what The Athletic has, I've talked to some people around. It just sounds to me like the NCAA is going to have enough to find that Arizona State made some mistakes. And it sounds to me like Arizona State had a problem with compliance. It seems to me that there weren't the people in place around the program to say this is how it ought to work in the college game. And now if that's the case, the NCAA is going to have to determine how big of a deal is it. If it's a huge deal, we could see some sanctions on the program that could affect the program for a generation. If it's not that big of a deal at all, then it's a blip. And so we have to really wait and see. But if you're talking about what happens this season, I don't think the NCAA moves quickly enough to derail uh, what's going on this year, which is to say that ASU very well could contend for a Pac-12 South title and, frankly, ought to contend for the Pac-12. And they really ought to you know, look at this season as, as, as all or nothing in the same way that U of A, uh, University of Arizona, couple of years ago with the basketball program it was like i don't know guys this this thing might fall apart there's some uh federal investigation there's this going on there's that going on but it wasn't in time to stop the ncaa tournament run uh now that team uh deandre ayton raleigh alkins um alonzo trier is just a hell of a good basketball team that group lost in the first round of the ncaa tournament and then the sanctions came down, and then two years later the head coach is dismissed, right? So I, I don't predict all of that for Arizona State. I, like a lot of other people, am in a mode of wait and see to see how big the, 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 the alleged violations are. But, again, if everything that Yahoo and the Arizona Republic and Athletics says is true, clearly there were mistakes made. I don't expect them to affect the program this season. All right, we will leave it right there, Greg. We appreciate your time, and uh, you want to hit the website one more time so people can read more? Sure, absolutely. Um, saying more, <clears throat> Twitter and Instagram, at Saying More, S-A-Y-I-N-G-M-O-O-R-E. I'm in the Arizona Republic and at azcentral.com. And again, name's Greg Moore. Thanks for having me on, fellas. All right, DJ and PK, 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. There you go.
there's a little uh, NBA Finals talk, and we got more. Enough of other people's opinions. PK and I's opinion next. And there's one thing that I think, yes, home court, yes, Giannis is awesome, but there is one thing that literally everybody who plays in this game can do to win the game. I think it's huge. I think it's been huge in the first three games, and it is going to be immense in game four. And we will get to that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, are you ready for game four? Yeah, it's most definitely. taken a while, but it's finally here. Eh, it hasn't been that bad for me. Three days. If it was winter, it might be a little bit more, but summer, I'm busy. Suns and the Bucks in Milwaukee. And the number one thing to watch for, does Antetokounmpo go off again? Can Milwaukee win if he doesn't go off? No. No, I think that he has to. He has to get above 30, 35. I'm not sure that uh, the team is good enough. And I also think that if he doesn't, boy, that puts some pressure on those other guys to really step up. And I'm not sure outside Milton can go. And Middleton's the only other guy I would really trust to go off. Drew Holiday's a good player. I just don't think he's a guy who drops 35 on you. No, I was thinking more of 25. Yeah. And if you want to go 35, Middleton, yeah. So when Antetokounmpo was doing his thing, that that really eases the pressure. And I think that he needs to play smart. You're not necessarily a perimeter guy. You don't need to be, man. You've got a lot of moves. You've got a lot of athleticism. You can get dunks and stuff just in transition that will just occur or some offensive rebounds. But in set offenses, go ahead and get down low and and do what you can there. Go old school in that way. And I heard somebody reference it. He needs to be more Shaq than Kobe. And I think that's accurate, you know, uh, more for uh, not worrying about the three-point shot, the perimeter shot, even if it's there. If it's there early in the shot clock, is that the best shot? You know, in Quinn Snyder, they talk about getting the best shot. And if that best shot comes six seconds into the shot clock, take it. Well, for Antetokounmpo, I think it's the other way around. If an open shot becomes available early, don't take it because you might be able to get better. And I do think that later in the shot clock, that shot will probably be there because the Suns will want you to shoot that shot. There, I think you hit on a real important point. They will want him. That's You can't defend everything. You have to concede something. And of all the things you can concede to the Bucks concede Giannis shooting a three. Because it not only does he not shoot him at a high level, he's not very efficient, but it also takes him away from rebounding. I mean, with his size and his athletic ability, you don't want him rebounding. You don't want to have to battle that. No. No. So Phoenix is going to allow him to take that, and I think he needs to avoid the temptation to take it. The, the thing about stopping him and ultimately I think it's going to come down to his passing because – you don't want to leave the three-point shooters and let a roll guy get hot and get 20 on you really quick because they're just shooting catch-and-shoot threes and their feet are set and they're squared up and it's a practice three. 
And now Terrence Mann nightmares are flooding into Jazz fans' heads. So you don't want to go help on Giannis. But if you leave a guy one-on-one in the paint with Giannis, he's got the moves, he'll dribble, he'll back you in, he'll take that step and spin around you. So you almost have to send someone else in there to see if you can dig the ball out. Because you, you got to make him make a quick move. If you give him time to make his move, he's going to get you. He's going to get you most of the time. So how quickly do the Suns bring help and how well does he pass the ball when it comes? Because if they just play him one-on-one in the paint, he's going to get 40. He's going to. He's too good. And so then the ball comes out. You're in a scramble. Do you close out on guys? Do guys hit their shots? And that's where Middleton can really get rolling. And other guys might too. You know, Lopez can shoot the three. Holiday can hit shots. It's not like Middleton's the only guy who can score. He's certainly the guy most likely to go off in a big way. Mm-hmm. And so do you turn Giannis mostly into a facilitator? You know, if, But if Giannis ends up with 20 points and 10 assists, you're in trouble because of those, of those 10 assists, 30 points. And, and at the other end, when the Suns won, also you know they had 118 points. They scored 100 points in Milwaukee. So we can say, are the Bucs defending better? Are the Suns not shooting it as well? Are role players not playing as well on the road? All the things that we traditionally go to. Uh-huh. But a lot of this... And, and, and you, you would love this because this goes more to heart and effort and energy and the want to than it does the analytics. But the analytics will tell you, get the offensive rebound. The team that has won that battle for the 50-50 balls, the offensive rebounds or deflected balls that are bouncing around the floor, that's a team that's won these games. That's been the difference. It gives you a chance to get out and run. Uh, we're, we're at the point where if you're a bad defensive team, you're probably not in the NBA Finals. That was the hang-up for the, the Nets all along, right? Are they good enough defensively? Right. And they had so many injuries on top of that. When you get those second shot, when you get those 50-50 balls, you not only have the possession, you usually have the possession in a really good place, right? You're grabbing a rebound off the rim, and you're just putting it back in, just tip it in, follow dunk, whatever. Or you're throwing it out to a three-point shooter who's wide open. Or you're getting a deflection out at the top of the key, and it's a two-on-one break, or it's one-on-none. So the, those and and those have decided these games. You you can be. I was in the car listening on the radio, and Doris Burke was going crazy about the fifty fifty balls. I think it was game uh, game two, and certainly the Suns got hammered on the backboards in game three. So we can go all the strategy in the world, but who wins those? Sure, and yeah, that's important. I also think the Suns role players need to step up too. I'm, I'm figuring Booker's going to. You know, he he needs to have a better game. I don't consider him a role player. I don't. I don't. I'm talking. I about think it bridges. starts with him. But when he gets going, it makes it easier for the role players to step up. There's less pressure on him. Yeah, Bridge is a weird deal. Only taking the four shots. It wasn't so much that he shot it poorly. You know. But where, yeah, I where, don't know what was going on there. But I well, don't like it. <laughs> it's it doesn't work for the Suns. No. Not at all. No. And I think they have a, a better team, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it translates into winning ball games. And, you know, one game is one game, and momentum can change quickly. But I do think if the Bucks roll, you're giving them a ton of confidence to come to Phoenix. And you don't want that. 
They've already come back from 0-2 once. Get them back to 2-2. They're going to be thinking, we're going to do this again. At least. You can't stop us. If the Bucks win from the Phoenix perspective, have it be at the end of the game to where it's a you know it's a tightly contested. It could have gone either way. Shouldn't we have one of those at some point? And we've had three games, and they haven't well, gone Sort down. of had that in game one. More than the other two, but still a 12-point game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't... Excuse me, wasn't that complete the way you would define right. something? Where like there's the tension, end. there's a possession with 45 seconds left, and there's tension. There's tension with 30 seconds left. Mm-hmm. There's right. a big possession with 15 seconds left. Yeah, we haven't had that. Well, like that that ultimate game uh, the other night between the Australia and the U.S. No, and, it didn't really happen. I mean, that's where I'm going to refer to all sporting events now. That was because an eight, that was an the magnitude game. of that game that was, was off eight, the charts. That was an eight-point game. Right. And the good thing about it is that you know everything about that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can break it down with the best of them. Uh, so I do think that it's important for the Suns to find a way to compete. You know, and obviously for their perspective, from their perspective, they'd want to win. But if you don't win, you know, make sure it's a tight game. You put some doubt into the other team's mind rather than have them thinking, "Man, we have corrected our issues here." Uh, Yanni just needed a game after not playing for a while, and then he's set, and everyone said we're looking good. Because then, at that point, I think Phoenix is in trouble. At 2-2. It's that well, Milwaukee... 2-2 would, with Milwaukee blowing him out again. Yeah. You would have Milwaukee leading the series 2-2. Two two. Even though they don't have home court. Yeah. Yeah. And that could change. Maybe Milwaukee's just in this series is going to have uh, great games at home and not be able to get the job done in Phoenix. We shall see, man. Because in that... You know, obviously, if the Suns win, then they take a stronghold on that thing. But 2-2... Two, two, and I yeah. really think that just one team always has to have the home court. I understand that, but I think that it, at best it's fifty-fifty if if the Bucks find a way to win. So this is really, really important, not just for tonight's game, but for everything going forward in the series. And so I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch it. It'll be interesting with the Bucks. To see uh, if they have as much emotion. They were really desperate. 2 0, it felt like a must win game. You're back home because nobody has ever rallied from 3 0. But there aren't that many teams that have rallied for 3 1. I don't know if you can summon that much energy again in the next game. You've had more time off. That seems to make it more likely, more doable. And then the other thing for the coaches is why, why substitute in this game? It's just play your starters as much as possible. You haven't played since Sunday, and you don't play again till Saturday. It's the only game in a five-day span. Well, I think you have to look at the individual game, not the game before and the game after. You know, can they, are they gassed at that game? You know, what's going on in this particular game? That, we, that we saw determine the, the Buck Stars played like 38, 40, and 41 minutes. They had it going. Why take them out? The Suns didn't quite play as big a minutes, but you know they didn't have it going. So, and they got a deep team. So, search for other guys who can who can get you going. I get it a little bit, but man, if you're if you can, you get you got to stay with your stars in this. Yeah, one. Booker didn't and, play at all in the fourth quarter in game and, three. And yeah, he he wasn't having a good game, and and Aiton had foul issues. Now he didn't foul out, so he could have played a little more. Um, yeah, and then it got out of hand at the end. He's so going to have to be out on the floor matter. more. Yeah, it didn't matter because then. then you're taken down to a, a second guy off the bench that you didn't anticipate. You intended 
you had anticipated Sarge being out there, and obviously he's done, going to be done for a good while, blowing out the knee. So uh, Kaminsky, you know, he's okay, but he's your third-team guy. And so there's a reason why he's your third-team guy. So you want Mr. Aiton out there as much as possible, and he has a chance to impact the game. And it's really important for him to come out and be aggressive. You know, be just have that mindset and that you're the biggest, baddest dude out there uh, and and do what you can do because you are highly skilled, I believe, Aiton is. And so he has to – he has to really take it upon himself. And if they're not calling his number and running plays for him, then go find other ways, man. There's plenty of other ways in which you can contribute. You know, obviously offensive boards you already touched on, but setting yep. hard screens, rolling strong, being a defensive presence on any pick and roll, and you have the ability to get back to. And they don't really have a big low post game anyway outside of Antetokounmpo Lopez. That's not really his game. You know he's the he's morphed into a, a perimeter guy, and he's sort of a part time guy, even though he starts. And that's what I think that uh, if I'm Budenholzer, I go ahead with that starting lineup. Uh, but I get Lopez out of there fairly quick and let Antetokounmpo have the room in the middle, offensively, because I think that he's almost pretty much unstoppable. Agreed. And Lopez can go out and shoot the three. And I know there's a whole thing about Lopez has got to get inside and be the physical presence. And we'll save that for the eight minutes a game that Antetokounmpo isn't isn't playing. Yeah, and then you can do it on the defensive end too. Uh, so I think that's that's important for Antetokounmpo to establish his presence to say, okay, I am the biggest, baddest dude on this floor. And I am going to carry my team. And he has that chance, too. You know, he's a two-time MVP, so you got that saddle of an MVP but haven't won. And probably, you know, it's going to be up to him to see what he can do uh, to look at the success of this team. That's what makes this um, opportunity for the Bucks pretty cool because if he gets this, then all legacy questions in my mind are over. A title in a small, cold-weather market and two MVPs. He would be on top of the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, what else can you ask of him? You want two and three. Once you get three, you want four and all that stuff. But Pile it up, but yeah. But you got to get that one, man, and he hasn't gotten that one. He's still a young kid in terms of uh, he can get better and do better or at least continue for a number of years. So... Great opportunity to really seize the moment and seize a legacy to establish himself as truly one of the greats. You know, when we look at greatness all time, he's not there, and it's hard to be there at his age uh, unless you're really, really special. But, you know, set yourself up because it doesn't look like anybody else in the East is going to be the overwhelming contender. You know, there's some good teams over there, but... Not they got questions. Not to where they would overshadow yep. what the Bucks are being able to do, as long as they keep it together. Because I, I think that the holiday for Bledsoe was a great improvement, and then you got some internal improvement, and a way to go. And and you know they get it in that seventy-two game season, or it's a down year, and they took advantage of injuries to the Nets and blah. blah. Okay, fine, but you, there wouldn't be the first team that you can say, "Hey, wait a second. 
And in the end, it doesn't matter. Wait a second, doesn't matter. They The winner of this series will be re- presented with a trophy, and they will be considered the champions of this year. That's the way it is. Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas is on NBA TV 30-plus years after he won his two NBA titles, and he got the first one. He had struggled in pressure situations. He had massive failures on the big stage and all that. But he got his first title when the Lakers were shredded by injuries, and nobody cares and nobody brings it up. You either have it or you don't, and he's got it. I remember Arsenio Hall brought it up once on his talk show. Because <laughs> he he's a big Laker fan. Did he really bring it up? Yeah, they were talking about it at yeah. the time. And then the Lakers did have a bunch of injuries, but so what? And yeah, Roger it's Warren a big got so it what? without the Bulls. It, it just doesn't matter, man. Did you get it? And And every single team that's gotten it, They've had to have some types of ups and downs and overcome something or other. I mean, it's a long season. And even even with the 10 fewer games, the playoffs are still the same. True story. Got to win 16. Yeah. And Might have to play 28. It's a grind all the way through, man. It just seems like it goes on for a good long time. Longest form of playoffs we have, right? So... They, whoever wins it owes nothing to anybody in terms of uh, yeah, but or an apology by any stretch, and that's why you'll see them celebrate wildly. I would like to see whoever it is. So Suns in five or seven or Bucks in six, do it in the front of the home. Get yeah. the biggest bang for your bucks, so to speak. Ah, oh, well played. And do that because it's it, yeah. it's more fun that way. Yes, I just saw, and I don't even know why, um, but I just saw a clip of Jordan winning his fifth title. And obviously that was over the Jazz in Chicago, and he's up on the table, and the place is just going nuts. You know, and he wins six in Utah, and the Jazz fans are heading for the exit, and there's 600 Bulls fans or whatever there were crowding around one tiny corner of the court. It's not the same. Well, in their it's day, there weren't. They had no choice though, because back then it was the last two were at home of the team with a better record, right? Yeah. So once they came to Salt Lake, he there. That's what it was going to be. Yeah. yeah, winning and losing here, and they won so many that they had their experience of winning at home. So it didn't matter because they they did both, and good for them. They you get your one in good. fifty years. Yeah, different deal. Yeah, where did the Bucks win the last one? You're Mister History. No idea. <laughs> who they beat? I don't even know who they beat. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's safe guess is just to say the Lakers, <laughs> but the Bucks came out of the West, so it wasn't them. I think it was the Knicks, maybe. Was it? Look it up, yacht, can you? Computer. And what year was here. that? Seventy-one. Seventy-one. Nineteen seventy-one. And then they lost to the Celtics in seventy-four. Abdul was his first year or second year? That would have been his second. His second year? Yeah. Oh, they beat the Bullets. See, I didn't know. Oh, they did. They beat the Bullets. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just looked it up. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Nope. Nope. No idea. And I couldn't tell you if it was on the road or at home. But all I know is Abdul and Oscar Robertson were really good players. (laughs) I don't have to have seen it to know. All-time, all-timers. Right. I I can't recall seeing Oscar Robertson ever play basketball. That was a topic we were going to do this summer. We should do that. Games you... Games and, and players you think you've seen because you've seen them so much, but you weren't actually there or you didn't watch them? Yes. Oscar, I've seen a ton of clips. Don't ever remember watching a game. But I didn't need to, to know of his greatness. No. I've been told it. You can see it. You can look it up. Yep. 
And you can hear I literally it. don't know anybody who follows basketball seriously of that era who doesn't think he was awesome. It's unanimous. He was awesome. I actually I would to, have loved to have seen him. To the point that Kevin O'Connor once said when I he heard the where does Stockton rank, you know, on the point guard debate one day on the radio and he was at shoot around and he said, "You know, I don't really debate the Stockton stuff. I just can't believe everybody's got magic over Oscar. Oscar's number 1 for me." Now, you know, Kevin's older than us, and so he certainly has vivid recollections of watching Oscar, you know, play games and playoff series. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's in his wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to sit there, and and he didn't didn't rip magic at all. There was no anti-LA or any of that stuff. It was just, he just thought Oscar was that awesome. And I don't have any problem with that. When you see somebody like we had with Pace Manion, he thought Draymond Green should be the defensive player of the year because his son was on the team and he watched him play a bunch. I get it. You have that natural bias. You should. when you're wa- And plus you have the knowledge, too, because you've watched them. So anybody we talked about last week, Marv Albert's final five, best five. Now, he spans 55 years. That's, that's just <laughs> shocking. I mean, that's incredible. And and most of that, you know, all of, not all of it, he saw those guys in their prime, in their beginning, in their prime, in their decline. So, you know, that's his yeah. opinion. And that's actually why I saw that Jordan 5 uh, TNT did a Marv Albert retrospective and Ernie Johnson was interviewing him and getting memories out of him. And, uh, and he was talking about how he got linked with Jordan just because of the era and the games he called. Great. And he talked about how fortunate he was in his career, the timing of the teams. And, you know, he's, he's young and he's in a local market and he's in New York and the Knicks play their best basketball of his life, you know? So the timing was great to date. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Two titles, baby. I was there, man. Willis there. Reed, Dave DeBusher. When did they win? Phil Jackson. What were the years? 70 and 73. Okay, so 73 is when I went. That was when you were there and, and the kid wanted to run around the garden and you wanted to watch the game. Yes, <laughs> right. I'm not here to run around the garden, dude. <laughs> right, right, right. He wanted to run around and just... Do whatever, and I said, I'm sitting right here, and I am watching, watching that game, game man. Because <laughs> I mean, I, I was young, I was a pup, but I appreciated it at the time. He was the mayor's son. The mayor got tickets, and he later became the mayor of the same town. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. We'll get to the baseball All Star Game, USA Basketball. We will do that all next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Everybody on our team took the loss hard, as we should. You know, we never go into a game expecting to lose. You know, if you show me somebody who expects to lose, I'll show you a loser. We use yesterday, we'll use today to prepare, and we'll all come out ready to play tomorrow. That's Chris Paul and what he expects from the Suns in Game 4. Tonight, in Milwaukee, and PK, you got to figure these two fan bases are thinking exactly what the Jazz fan base was thinking. Everything's setting up perfectly for us. This is our year it never happens for us. We got to do it right now. So I assume in Milwaukee and in Phoenix too. 
A lot of a uh, lot of nervousness among the fans base. Yeah, don't uh, disrespect Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo is all in emotionally. Yeah, Madison. Hello, Madison. Who? Wisconsin. Oh, hour and a half drive away. Probably full of Bucks fans. Made that drive. Made the drive to Madison from Milwaukee. One night saw the Brewers play. The next night afternoon, BYU stunning upset. Nah, there it is, Wisconsin. Awesome. Other NBA news, Kawhi Leonard. So it turns out it was more than a knee sprain. It was a partially torn ACL. So he had surgery for that. Clippers have not provided a timeline for his return. Well, I bet you he's going to miss 30 games next year, irregardless. (laughs) Irregardless. But is he going to miss 30 in a row at the start of the season? What difference does it make? And then a few more sprinkled throughout the year. Uh, that, that's the thing I'd be interested if, you know, obviously he does miss a bunch of games early. Would he then have the need to miss games throughout the rest of the season, depending on how uh, long it takes for him to come back? But you know he's not going to play anywhere near 82, no matter what the situation is. And then for him, you know, to be healthy for the postseason, how long does that take? What does that ma- what does that entail? Uh, obviously, it'd be something to watch going into next season. Yep. Spencer Dinwiddie out for six months before he was cleared. He had a similar procedure, the partially torn ACL. So maybe well, that's a do, little bit of Well, do Dinwiddie, diddy witty, diddy witty, duddy dum, diddy do. Sing it. <laughs> you tried, almost, kind of. Kind of. 76ers have opened up trade conversations surrounding Ben Simmons, and they have engaged with aren't they just talking to teams they've engaged with teams well, I get the athletics more than talk I guess but yeah. I mean all these websites need hits I mean their their literal job survival counts on it yep so they've got to say that they've got to spruce it up there's a high high price threshold for the three-time all-star they want an all-star back we'll see what they end up settling for it feels like it's going to happen one way or another. You think so? Yeah. You think well, Ben long-term is a Philadelphia 76er? Well, whatever problems he has in Philadelphia, wouldn't he just transfer them to the other team? Why would the other team be just dying to have him? That's why I don't think the price threshold is going to be that high for all the reasons then you Then why say. trade him? They'll move somebody else who's got other issues. I mean, he's got value. He's not a worthless player. Absolutely. Well, he had a bad playoff, so that means he has to leave? George Niang, I got bad news for you. (laughs) Come on. Oh, man. Yeah, it is different. Uh, One one guy's a role player and one guy is supposed to be one of the two stars on the team. And they're supposed to be a title contender. Okay, but I, I get all that. But that means he must be traded? No, he must not. I just expect he will. He must not. I mean, they could hold on to him. I think everybody should be tradable depending on what you can get back. Team USA beats Argentina 108-80. to Durant and Beal, 17 points each. Feel better? Thank you, almighty. (laughs) The U.S. has never lost three games in a row (laughs) since they went to the NBA pros. Uh. Never in any practice games. You guys were wrong, man. It was on at 4 o'clock. It was. Yeah. I was at the gym, and 
the station was on. They've got like about 10 TVs, you know, hanging yeah, from right. the wall. Mm. And so I seen it. There it is. So I I went uh, Tuesday in my golf league, so I go to the gym later in the day instead of usually right after the show. Uh, so, yeah, I watched the first half on there. Looked fine to me. But, you know, Argentina, 41 years old, no, well, Skola, no Skola. way. <laughs> Joe Engel's singing, I'm barely getting started here. <laughs> <laughs> now, Australia, I assume, is better than Argentina. The uh, Skola's got the haircut now. It looks like he's oh, lost yeah. weight. I yeah. barely recognized him. I mean, I knew to look for he him like when we were talking dude. about He looked good, <laughs> actually, for He for looked really, yeah, right. Yeah. Lost the weight, so he can try and get up and down the floor. So He's been playing in Italy. That's cool for him, though, to be able yeah. to do it. He's going to play in his fifth Olympics, they said. So. Yeah, I mean, that's not something that you would expect. I mean, we had Colangelo saying with LeBron, the father's time has uh, caught up to him. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger has reportedly become obsessed with his new workout plan in an effort to prove naysayers wrong as he enters 2021 in the final year of his current deal with the Steelers. Reporter Ryan Burr said Big Ben's prioritizing a physical condition has gotten to the point that his diet, this is a quote, his diet is stricter than, close quote, that of Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. How is that possible? I thought Brady had like the perfect diet. Roethlisberger has only finished an entire season once in the past six years, and he'll be 39 this year. They started 11-0, and then they finished 11-5. Just crashed at the end of the year. Well, don't tell me about it. Show me. Steelers linebacker Cassius Marsh, who previously played for the Patriots, was critical of the Patriot way. He was on... uh, he was on a podcast. He said, the Patriot way is pretty. It's extremely impressive. Like, they work day in and day out. Their work ethic over there, what they instill is pretty legendary. But they also treat players like crap. You don't have a lunch, period. You get there, and you have to make time to eat in between meetings. And there are, like, five to ten-minute periods where I'd literally go scoop food and put it in a cup and just, like, crush it real quick before I got to the next meeting. It's like there's just no BS. There's no fun. Fun? Fun. You want Fun. Apparently he does. Go to the carnival. Apparently he wants lunch. This is business. Multi-million dollar business. And I would be cautious about saying that because then what other teams are going to think? Because the message you're sending is I don't want to work hard. I don't want to do what it takes. I mean, that you can say the words, whatever, but words, the message of the words is more important mostly than the message. I mean, than the words. So the message here, as I take it, is that I don't, I don't want to work that hard. I mean, I like the spoils, so, you know, and I'll do what I can, but I'm, I'm not going to go that to that I'll work, extreme. but I won't work that hard. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The 1-1. Swing and a high drive. Deep left field. Way back and out of here. An absolute no-doubter to left for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. The pitch. Swing and a ball drilled in the air right field. That one back. That one on its way. That's gone. Home run. Mike Zanino the opposite way. The American League beats the National League 5-2. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is the MVP, hitting a 468-foot home run. Almost made it above all the fans up onto the concourse. Missed it by about four rows, but he crushed that thing. 
So the AL's won eight in a row, and they've lost three times in 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm I just, the National League, man, are they going to ever recover? I mean, this this is awful. When you lose exhibition games, it is the worst thing possible. That is probably not exactly <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, they they need to have uh, a million-man uh, National League march over this. I mean, we've got to figure out something here. This is just... Rob Manfred, the commissioner, making news. He says he expects the recent rule changes, seven inning doubleheaders, to go away. The runners starting on second base and extra innings to go away in 2022. Well, I mean, that's cosmetic. They just did it here this last year. People are interested. Are you going to make a rule on the shifts where you have to have the traditional players, two on this side of the second base, two on that side of the second base? Well, I mean, Manny Machado... He made the all-star team. People think he made it as a third baseman. No, he made it as a short right fielder. <laughs> you know, he's throwing guys out uh, practically from the bullpen <laughs> for, for where he plays on a lot of different hitters. Uh, so, and that, on paper anyway, we're assuming that that has just taken away a lot of runs and hits and action and all that stuff. I mean, that that's the rule change. The people that people are see. looking for. Will you do that, and what will it mean? Manfred also told reporters that the process of keeping the uh, A's in Oakland is at the end. They've got a meeting coming up next week. The Oakland City County, Oakland City Council will consider a non-binding term sheet for a new stadium at the Howard Terminal site. The A's are going to pay a billion dollars private funding into that. Uh, if the votes don't go in their favor, the A's might look to relocate to Las Vegas. Manfred said calling Las Vegas alternative a bluff is a mistake. And he said Las Vegas is a viable alternative for a major league club. And there are other viable alternatives that I haven't even turned the A's loose to even explore at this point. I assume at that point he means Nashville. Maybe somebody beyond that. Well, they'd have to come up with a stadium. Yep. It would have to be retractable or completely domed. I mean, it's very hot in Vegas in the summer, obviously. So to get people in there, you'd have to do that. It's the way of the world, man. Build me or I will leave. Yep. I mean, I think that's what uh, Terrence Mann said, right? If you don't build it, they will leave. <laughs> Standing out in the corn in Iowa. James Earl. The game is uh, next uh, month. I'm really looking forward to that. It's the White Sox and the Yankees. Is that his plan? August uh, I know it's the White Sox. Well, sure the opponent is. Somewhere in there, that's going to be something. That's going to be awesome. Salt Lake Bees lost their series finale 9-4 to the Sacramento Rivercats. Bees are headed to Tacoma tomorrow to open a series against the Rainiers. And it's going to open with a doubleheader. they got to make up for a rainout uh, back in early June. All right, that's what's trending. Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Ann Myers Drysdale, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President, a TV analyst as well. She's going to join us at 830 to talk NBA Finals. And Bob Casper, co-host of Real Golf Radio, 905, the British Open preview, and our draft. That's coming up at 905. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a Win Ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the Win Ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. 
What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When I get the carpets clean, it's never clean. It's just Zero Res clean. No, no, don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean, plus a fourth room for free. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today by calling them at 801-288-9376 or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. And pro tip, when you call Zero Res, they don't offer you the fourth room for free. You have to ask for it. I heard on the zone I get the fourth room for free, and then they'll go, Okay, no problem. But you had to mention it. They don't offer it to you. You got to bring it up. All right, PK, question of the morning. What if? What are some of the better what ifs in sports? So I was listening to your guy, the herd. And you you worship him. You don't admit it, but I know you do. Or you (laughs) you did anyway. Uh, when he was available on your radio. Now, he's on mine on satellite, so I listen to him when I go home, on the ride home sometimes. And he had said, there is a, it was on the heels of this sources report that uh, Dwayne Wade is seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell leaving, not wanting to be in Utah, and, you know, that tired story, the narrative as people who like to think they're smart say. Uh, and so he was going on, and he, he I believe he has a home here. I know he vacations here a lot, and I know he's gone up to Promontory, and I know he takes golf lessons up there. That has been confirmed to me. I think you're right about uh, a second home up here, though. Uh, he's up here too often. Yeah, and so he was defending Utah and saying they're like, and he has to compare something. He always has to have a simile and a metaphor. They're like Gonzaga basketball. And, you know, they've been well run for years and years and they'll break through one day, you know, like Gonzaga obviously has been on the periphery, has made it to the final game now a couple of times and they've just had a great, great program. Everyone would acknowledge that for sure uh, with uh, what Mark Few has done there in Gonzaga and we'll see the Suggs kid and I think he might be the best Gonzaga player uh, to come out of the draft uh, in uh, Mark Few's, what, 22, maybe 23 years. We'll see about that in the next few years, how that plays out. Uh, but then the herd said that if it wasn't for MJ, the Jazz would have two titles by now. Oh, what if? <laughs> and it got me thinking. What if? Uh, well, that is exactly a lot of people jumped on this. T- this topic really resonated with people. And uh, Ryan says that what if Jordan had stayed retired? What if Jordan had gone to Birmingham and hit 350? <laughs> Just not hit 20 or 30 homers. Wasn't possible. No. But what if? No one believed that was going to happen when he went there. If he would have done it, you know, when he was 18 and come up the traditional way, possibly. Sure. But not that Too many at-bats and too many reps lost to his basketball career. I mean, we saw that with Tim Tebow. It's very difficult to hit a baseball. (laughs) And and if you haven't done it for a number of years, to to jump in like that. So that wouldn't have happened. But, yeah, you could argue that they could have had a couple of titles without him. I don't know who would have represented the other side. But— We'll never know. 
What if Malone doesn't get the ball stolen in game six? That's a that's an awesome what if. He turns, hits that patented fadeaway jumper, they go up three, Jordan goes down, it goes down, sticks a three, it goes to overtime, and the Bulls win an OT. Or well, they still had game seven, too. Yeah. Sure. Or they score on that possession, and the Bulls don't, and the Jazz win game seven, and pandemonium. Okay. If you're in the what-if category, that goes there, too. But I, do we need, we need more solid proof on what-ifs? What do you mean? Well, those are, you're, you're sort of dreaming a little bit. Well, there's a mix. Uh, the what-ifs, uh, I mean, they're all dreams. I mean, it didn't happen. But see, but we need more solid than that, because I got one. I firmly, firmly believe. <laughs> you don't need to dream. You know this would have happened. I do. That if the Cougs had Brandon Davies, oh, they go to the here. Final Four. Yeah, it's, it's here. Mm-hmm. What if Brandon Davies doesn't uh, get in trouble with the honor code? Yeah. I believe. And see, Dan says... BYU to the Final Four. Right. So I think that's a little more That's a closer substantial. to a little closer to reality. The if isn't mind. as big. In my mind. Well, I think the thing about that is that you can go back and look at the the tournament that year, and I don't have it memorized, but I think all the games in that regional were like OT or one possession games. So it's a very small margin. Whereas here yeah, it's just one possession to win the game for the Jazz in 98, but then there's a whole nother game. Right. So that's double what if. Right. Maybe they even, got, maybe they got triple to the Sweet 16. It, they literally could have scored, and Jordan could have thrown in a three and gone to OT okay. and won. So there were multiple ifs. But that's, a, may- that's a maybe, not a what if. You just said maybe. I really, the, the team that the Cougars had that year with Jimmer as sensational as he was, and Davies, Davies is a pretty good player. I think he had a cup of coffee in the NBA with the Sixers. Uh, that I believe that they would have gone to the Final Four. Yeah, they would have beaten who was it? Uh, uh, Florida that they lost to. I was it was in New Orleans. I was there. I saw them over in Denver. They beat uh, they beat, they beat Wofford and Gonzaga. Yep. Uh, and they really they roughed up Gonzaga pretty good, uh, and then the next week we went down to Florida, uh, or down to New Orleans, and yeah, I think they would have won that game. I think they would have won the next game because I think that was the second year that Butler went to the Final Four. I think they would have. I think they would have won that. Could have handled it. I think they would have gone to the Final Four. Yes, if not for that. Uh, Honor code situation with Brandon Davies. Yep. I also got one for the Utes, too. What if? What's the what if for the Utes? I believe in 1997, if Alex Jensen wasn't serving a mission in England, they would have beat Kentucky. Because he would have been there to guard Mercer, and Mercer wouldn't have gone off as much as he would have. And my man, Alex would have defended him much better than they had. And I was there, that one. That was in San Jose. I was covering the Utes then for the Watchdog. And I think that they would have gone to the Final Four. So I've got two teams going to the Final Now, of course, they went the next year, obviously. Not coincidentally, Alex was back the next year because that was the second year of his mission when Van Horn was a senior. 
maybe they wouldn't have gone the next year. I don't know. But Alex, if you follow it out, I think Alex would have been a senior that year. So there's no reason to think that they wouldn't have. They probably, in my mind, would have gone two for two. They would have gone back-to-back Final Fours. But I believe if Alex was playing on that U team at that time, that they would have been able to beat, finally beat Kentucky in the regional final in San Jose, and Van Horn would have gone to the Final Four. And then what the hell, they would have won the Final Four. <laughs> okay, now, now you're just loading up the what if. Yeah, well, that's what we just did with the Jazz. This, this, well, that, if this happened, you, if this happened, if this happened. Right, but you said that yours wasn't going to be like that I one. I know, but I was kidding on that one. <laughs> I don't even remember. Well, the, the thing you have, the thing you have going for you is well, that was your Kansas, uh, Kentucky lost to Arizona, and in, in, uh, I don't remember that in overtime. So I don't know what to tell you. That's that's where you come in. I don't remember that stuff. There's no need for. So that, if you can beat Kentucky, mind. and if Kentucky was going to be in overtime in the title game, mm-hmm. I mean matchups and all that stuff matter. I'm looking at it now. Kentucky beat Minnesota, and Arizona beat North Carolina. Yeah. Kentucky beat Minnesota by nine, and then Arizona beat Kentucky in OT. I think they would have. Champs! Yeah. If he would have uh, not All right. gone on the mission. Now, are you ready for a what-if for both the Utes and the Cougars? This one comes in from Calvin. What if Kyle Whittingham took the BYU job instead of the Utah job? No Bronco. I mean, that really rewrites history for both schools. Puts the 2008 Sugar Bowl season. That changes all of that. See, I don't think that that was going to happen. What? That he was going to take the BYU job. Now you're saying, well, he accepted, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I know all that. But all I can tell you, without going into too much detail, uh, even though... It's long since passed, but I still like to maintain some semblance of confidentiality. Is around 8 o'clock that night, there was a lot of wavering. And I believe his heart was set on Utah. And he just needed to figure that out in his time. Now, he, he, he should have known for months that he was going to get the job. In fact, I know somebody. I know that somebody very, very well. I, I'm, I look at that person in the mirror every day. <laughs> <laughs> and that person in October literally told him, you will be offered the BYU job. Two months before it was offered, he was told, you will be offered the BYU job. That will happen. So he had a lot of time to process that. Now, whether he believed that or not, I don't know. But he was told by someone very close to me that he will be offered. (laughs) By someone very close to me. (laughs) Yes. I think it was the morning after, uh, I think it was the morning after the Vegas loss in which they threw the ball 4,000 times and ran it seven times and gained, <laughs> and gained 300 yards on the ground. Uh, if, I, if memory serves, that was a Friday night game. And then the following morning, 
Kyle was told, that is it, man. You will be offered. You're the number one candidate because Andy Reid isn't coming. (laughs) (laughs) What if Andy (laughs) Reid? And then the Philadelphia Inquirer ran a story about Andy Reid and the BYU job. And they quoted, they had a bunch of anonymous quotes in there saying, this is not a church calling. They will not extend the church calling to him. This will be a job. And because that's the way it's going to be. And that source was me. And I'm working for the watchdog <laughs> at the time. Because I'm sitting in a, a, in a hotel in Fort Collins, Colorado. And they're interviewing me as I'm just sitting in the in the hotel room on the phone and they run this story and I'm working for the watchdog. I'm employed by the watchdog and the D news picks it up and <laughs> runs a, it. You're anonymously quoted in the Deseret News. Yes. In his, Oops. <laughs> oh well. The anonymous source is me because those were my quotes that I gave the newspaper and there was no way Andy Reid was going to take that gig. There was just no way. I mean, he's a, he's a pro coach. The he's salaries are yeah. enormously different. He's an NFL guy. Yeah. And so. And the whole skill set, recruiting, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously he's a Hall of Fame NFL coach. So you had that going on there. So to me, it was a no-brainer that Kyle was the number one candidate. I mean, it's it's just like Kalani was going to be the number one candidate here this time around. It was a no-brainer on that one, too. It's so easy to identify who their coaches are going to be. (laughs) It's not that deep a pool. (laughs) Yeah. Cleveland was a surprise. But at the time, nobody knew him because he's out of state as a JC. And at the time, he's like, man, there really aren't that many candidates. So right. it wasn't a surprise that it was a surprise because there was no obvious candidate. But there, what your point is, there aren't going to be three obvious candidates. No, and they've got to choose. And then when the yeah, Cleveland was it was a surprise. I would I would agree with that. And I know that BYU Val Hale and the BYU magazine he got off on having it be a surprise because he he worried about the media. Uh, and what they were doing, what they were saying. Uh, so I wonder if that, I had one conversation with Kyle that season. It was weird. It was when practice was wide open, and you could just stand on the sideline. And you know how I am. I'm standing on the sideline. I'm not moving, but the team's going up and down a little bit. And he kneels down, and, the, and, and there's a moment, and other coaches are talking to players or something, and there's a holdup. And he says, and without looking at me, and he's within five yards, and there's nobody else there. There was way less media in that era. And maybe it was prompted by you. I have no idea the overlap of the timelines. I mean, we're doing the show at that point, so he knows we're talking. He says, do you think the Utah State job is going to come open this year? I'm like, yeah, probably. He said, and I, and, I, and I said, that'd be perfect for a defensive coordinator making a, a jump or something. I said, but on the other hand, couldn't every job come open this year? And that's what happened. And he said, and, I said, and he kind of flinched a little bit, still without looking at me. He was still looking at the field. And Urban was, I remember Urban was walking down the far sideline uh, over by the cemetery. And he said, and, and he kind of flinched. He said, they won't come open for the same reasons, but they can all come open. I wonder if you triggered that. I don't remember the Utah State situation in the least, so I cannot. McDenahy did leave that offseason. Oh, he was yeah. out and Brent Guy came in. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> and they all, and it was all new coaches. Uh, Urban left, and BYU and Utah State made changes. Yeah. And the Cleveland thing, that was a great hire, uh, Steve Cleveland. And then there was a situation with when he took the job at Fresno. I was down in Arizona at the time, and uh, 
was down there for a weekend visit that just blew up. I spent the whole time in my sister's office, her brother-in-law's office, uh, working, and because uh, I had to, I was working for the Watchdog then too, so I had to come up with stories on that. And the next morning on the Saturday, I called Dave Rose on his cell, and he he must have seen my number, and he didn't want to answer, but he picked it up. And he didn't say anything, and he must have thought that he clicked it off, and he didn't click it off. So he had the phone, must have been sitting as he was driving in the car, because I could hear the radio. And I thought, well, I'll just wait this thing out. (laughs) He's going to use the phone at some point. (laughs) And He thinks he hung up on you, but he accidentally answered. Now you're in. You're blocking anyone else from calling. Right. So I just waited it out, just sat there, and I don't know, was it 20 minutes or an hour or something before he went to use his phone, and there I am. I'm still there. (laughs) And, you know, he it was a dream come true because I had spoken to Dave, and Dave and I, of all the coaches, even more than Kyle, Dave is the guy who I go back the longest with because when he was at Dixie, I used to talk to him about up-and-coming players. and The recruiting in that in, of that uh, era was a lot harder to uh, get your arms around than it is now. They just, oh, I've been offered by, and they go on social media left yep. and right. And then there's all these other sites that have sprung up, and they deal with that. So I used to talk to him on a fairly regular basis because he was plugged in, obviously, into the regional junior college uh, circuit and also high school circuit. So, um, you know, he and he had told me that he just he thought he was scarred as a junior college coach and he didn't know if he was ever going to be a head coach. And I remember uh, one night talking with him and he could just feel the anguish uh, because he thought he had an opportunity to get the Houston job, his alma mater, and he was imminently qualified and he did it and he was depressed about it and all that stuff. And so then when he got, when he picked up the phone and we did talk, it's like, I really can't say anything. And I, and I can respect that. So I said, okay, I just needed some kind of quote. But you're going to get the job. You're the guy. You will get this job. You are the man for this job. And that proved to be so abundantly obvious. And he was the right man for the job. Absolutely, he was the right man. So he got that job. And I uh, did a tremendous job as far as I'm concerned. Had a really good run. Yeah. All right, some more what ifs. Are you ready? Here's some that aren't quite as local, but they're still stories we follow. Brooks says, what if Jimmy Johnson coached the Cowboys for a few more years? Well, they would have more Super Bowl wins. Would they have done three in a row instead of getting beat by Steve Young's Niners? Possibly. Four? I mean, no one has won three in a row. Could they have been the team that matched the Bills going to four in a row? Could they win them all? Oh, it's not beyond the realm whatsoever. It could have been and, and the, thing the about greatest that, though, NFL dynasty. What was cool about that situation is that those two teams, particularly the Niners, they were making moves designed to beat the Cowboys yeah. in the playoffs. It's not like now. In that era, those two were so far in front of the rest of the league, and not everybody in the rest of the league knew it. They were the best. Uh, yeah, well, obviously they won one without him, right? Uh, what's his they face? Did. Switzer uh, came in, yeah. lost the NFC title game the first year. In the second year, he won the Super Bowl. So, and then I think his third year, they went out pretty early in the playoffs. And they really haven't been the Cowboys since then. That was the end of the glory days. Clearly, uh, they would have won. And then maybe he could have made some retooling to continue with it. Because I mean, he did a Hall of Fame job with that franchise. I don't know that there's anybody better. Uh, Belichick obviously has a phenomenal run, no doubt about it. But what Jimmy Johnson did 
under such trying circumstances, you're replacing the ultimate Hall of Famer in Tom Landry. And an organization, you thought the Jazz were stable. Woo! <laughs> that was stable. Yeah. It was the same thing year after year after year. And, 60s, 70s, yeah. into the mid-80s. The wheels had finally come off when he came in. So he didn't have to, he didn't have to replace him when they were still cranking out no, playoff but, uh, games. And, he, but it's still, he's the guy. Yeah, I mean, he's the legend there. As good as Jimmy Johnson was, when I think of the Cowboys coaching, I think of Tom Landry. And the hat and the suit and all that stuff. Well, he had a 20-year... I mean, he was there 30 years, but the first five and the last five, building it and falling apart. But boy, for 20 years there, they were it. It became America's team, as they say. Yeah. Yep. And then it ended poorly, as it often does. But what a run. Yeah. All right, more what-ifs. On our Facebook page, DJ and PK, or hit us up on Twitter, David DJ James. Uh, another football one here. What if the 49ers had selected Aaron Rodgers and the Packers selected Alex Smith? How would well, Aaron Rodgers is better than Alex Smith. Right. So I'd have to assume the team would be better. They would flip to agree. But it's football, and so you, whole rest of you the team. have to have a quarterback, but you need a lot of other stuff, too. How much would that have changed the trajectory of their careers and the trajectory of those two franchises? Now, who's to say, though, the Packers, if they had taken Alex Smith or any of the other teams, if uh, Aaron Rodgers would have gone number one, because we don't know that uh, the Packers would have had available Alex Smith. Somebody else might have taken him. I don't, you know, we have no idea. But who's to say that the team around Alex Smith, wherever he went, wouldn't have been better, and he would have won a Super Bowl. Don't know for sure. I mean, he certainly isn't. He's not the best, but he's not the worst either. Right. I mean, he was right on the cusp of taking the Niners to the Super Bowl when they made the change. They very well. See, that's a what that's if. That's a what if. What if Alex doesn't right. get a concussion? What if he stays in the starting lineup? Yeah, he gets a concussion. He misses one game. And Kaepernick looks good enough in that game that Alex never gets to start again. Yeah, I think that Harbaugh wanted to go in that direction, so I don't know that the concussion... So would he have made... Would he have, as a coach, would he have had the spine to just make the change on his own? I think he was going in that direction, yes. I think it was like... But would he have made it in the offseason? I don't know. Yeah. But I think the the Cougars, we know they were going to go with Zach Wilson. In fact, it was told to me in a preseason, this is the target date. That we're looking to put him in there. And? And they did. Bingo. Yeah. So I think Harbaugh had in his heart to go in that direction one way or the other. But well, if, they would, if he wouldn't have, who's to say they don't win the, win the whole thing? Because you can conceivably see Smith as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. It's not, it's not, it's not that outrageous. much of a stretch. He's been a, he's been a playoff quarterback. Even though he times. wasn't a Hall of Fame quarterback, it was not that much of a stretch. Gray says, what if Dwight Clark didn't make the catch? Well, they would have had to play him fourth down. Even better play would have ensued. Fourth down, too much pressure. (laughs) Okay, so the other what if in that game is there was still time on the clock. The Cowboys start moving down the field, and Eric, was it Eric Wright 
Yak, you're a Niner fan. You remember. There was a defensive back who catches Drew Pearson by the back of the jersey and drags him to the ground, and Pearson was going to break it for who, a touchdown. Who remembers that? You haven't seen that play on NFL Films when they replay and I've all that? I've seen no. the play, but I couldn't I didn't. I, I didn't actually. That. I was working. I didn't actually see the game live. I, I, just, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't have named both players that you just named. I couldn't name you the. Play, I just saw it in the last year. Let alone player. I just saw it in the last year. That was that. The Niners came very close to giving up a score there. Here's one for you. You remember this play? Except, well, I remember the famous play. This is an, a famous a, a play before. And don't apologize for. Remembering. I don't remember this. You tend to do that. Jonathan says, "What if Kirk Gibson hits the ground ball fair and not foul before the home run?" It was a 3-2 pitch, so one of the strikes must have been a foul ball. I don't remember that. But what if? Okay, that's only game one, though. Right? Yep. So we still have a long way to go. True I mean, story. That was a dramatic home run, no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, but they still had to win three more ball games. Right? Was that? But I we're robbed of one of the one. It was game one. It was absolutely game one. So I don't know that that necessarily changed the complexion of the entire series. Especially in baseball, where momentum is defined by the next day's starting pitcher. And it was sweet and all that stuff, and it was legendary, absolutely. But it wasn't uh, Joe Carter or Bill Mazeroski in the walk-off series-clinching home run. Still only game one. They had plenty of time to come back. What if Minnesota's Gary Anderson makes that stupid 39-yard field goal versus Atlanta in the 1998 NFC Championship game? I don't remember that at Vikings all. Vikings fans have been tortured by Only poor Gary, place kicking. Yeah. Was it Gary Anderson or Morton Anderson? I don't know. I'll have to look it well, up. You said Gary Anderson. I did. I just read it off <laughs> thing. I assume this guy knows. I don't think it was Gary I'm Anderson. I'm pretty sure it's Morton Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Anderson. Did he just get caught up in the local guy? <laughs> or maybe there was a Gary Anderson who was a kicker. I don't know my Minnesota kickers. Who was it? Gary Allen Anderson is a South yeah. African former player, right. place kicker, 23 years. So and, it was Gary. And who, what was the scenario? He hadn't missed a field goal all year, and the Vikings were 15-1. He, he and didn't miss home. a field goal the whole season? I don't think so. I think he made every single Get one. out of town. So, PK, you <clears> thought on the He Morton, had a long streak, for the sure. The Morton-Anderson thing. Morton was kicking for the, the Falcons. Falcons in that game. So it was Anderson versus Anderson, Anderson versus, in the— Yeah, and versus O.A. And that was the Dirty Bird season for— Correct. Jamal Anderson. Jamal another Anderson. Anderson. Yeah. The former you. I don't remember that at all. Really? You don't remember that game? No. Wow. He misses a field goal right Why at should the I? end. problem he, with me is that I don't have favorite teams in the NFL, so been, they don't mean anything to I'm me. I'm not a Vikings fan, but he had been nails all year long. and then. Yeah. In 1998, that. Anderson became the first NFL kicker to convert every field goal and point after touchdown mm-hmm. in the regular BFD. season. BFD. It's like Shaq. Make them when they count. Yep. And he missed it. And the Falcons went to the Super Bowl. Who did they lose to? They lost to the Broncos. Oh. Yeah, that, that stuff doesn't, doesn't, doesn't sit. But I don't want you to apologize, because when I say I don't remember, you get defensive. Like, you just saw that thing last year. I right? did. But you don't have to apologize for it. Who cares whether you saw it last year or 10 years ago? You remember that stuff. From yeah, last year. Yeah, you're a nerd. I literally but you didn't knew it see before, the game. But you knew it before that, though. 
You because I've seen the NFL films thing right. play. So don't apologize. Again, you're getting defensive. Oh don't gosh. apologize for well, it. Well, stop attacking me. It's not. I'm impressed <laughs> with your memory. Uh, don't be it slipping. <laughs> it's still at its height. It's better. And that's with true. slippage, it's better. That's Because we both have slippage. But I couldn't remember it's to go amazing. out and put gas what, in the car last night. What Holy you cow. do is amazing with that stuff. And I really mean it. Okay. And I, So I, if I come off as attacking, that's on me. It's not on you. (laughs) Because I'm very impressed that you remember this stuff. I'm sure it's out there on YouTube. Check it out during the the break, PK. And for all of you going to work, check out YouTube if it's not blocked when you get to work. Or you're working from home, so it doesn't matter. But look for that play, and you'll be impressed by how close the Cowboys come to breaking a, whatever it was, 60-70 yard touchdown. And Wright just reaches out and grabs a handful of jersey and holds on. Or the catch would have been a footnote. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yak, have you been able to find that audio PK was talking about? I do have it. All right. I we need to edit it a bit, but we'll have it. Okay, we will get to that next. PK, this goes back to your quest with Dennis Lindsay, and now with Justin Zanuck. Bart's the kind of person you have to convince. Yeah, Justin and I will be meeting on this. Okay. He doesn't know it yet. He doesn't know it yet. No. no. Newsflash, Justin. There goes a half hour of your day. All right, we'll get to that next. We'll play this audio for you. And this is, uh, this is something jazz fans, this is a big old what if. What if the jazz could get over this hurdle? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the top 60 and 60. Weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or you're working with a hybrid workforce, we'll get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. All right, PK, you wrote about this week. You heard this on a uh, podcast. Set this up for people. Yox got it all queued up to play here. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago that we heard that uh, somebody reported, I guess that Windhorse reported that Dwayne Wade was very seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell's future in Utah. Now he's he signed a five-year deal, and so theoretically that should keep him in there for a good long while. And however long you have him, the good thing is that I believe he's 100% committed to winning a title. I don't think there's any question about that, and he's a spectacular player, so that's good news. And so then they were discussing that, and it was on the heels of the Ben Simmons thing, which we brought up this morning, and that's, you know, will he be traded, and looks like it's going in that direction, and we'll see. And so then I'm listening to uh, ESPN, and I got the satellite radio, so they got so many stations, I don't know what's available on regular radio and what isn't anymore. But anyway, Bart Scott, the guy who played in the NFL and had that big thing, can't wait. Can't wait. Yeah, and that became the rallying cry. I don't even remember. It was about the next playoff game, I guess. It's hard to imagine the Jets aren't even in the playoffs the way they've been the last few years. And so he has a daily show, and then he goes off. He talks about Simmons, and then they bring up the Mitchell thing, and he goes off with these stereotypes about Utah. 
You want more Wendy? We got more Wendy. More Wendy. More Wendy. It's nothing I love more than Wendy than double Wendy. Well, you're getting double Wendy right now because he had this on his podcast today in regards to Donovan Mitchell, Dwayne Wade, and the Utah Jazz. I think Dwayne Wade is seriously concerned about Donovan Mitchell's desire to stay there long term. And I think the way, you know, there was a number of things that happened that led to this primarily, um, and this is covered by the Solid Tribune. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not giving them credit, but um, no, it was an open secret in the NBA that Quinn Snyder and Dennis Lindsay had very a very poor relationship. Bart, now you can smile. Now you can smile. Now you can put them where you know you want to put them. Put them there. Believe in that one. He's put them there. He's from New York. Put them there. If Donovan Mitchell I'm wants with to, you with, I'm with you on this one. It wants to end up in New York and wants to out of Utah? I mean, look, he just signed the long-term deal, but that doesn't matter. Like, can After the playoff thing early, do you think that would bother somebody that much that they were extra careful to hold you out of a playoff game? I don't think it's that. I think it's the fact that nobody wants to go to Utah. Well, I agree. And the, and the fact that... You know, the relationships outside of the court is not good for black people to live in Utah. The fact that he watched the true feelings and true sentiment of the people speaking to John Morant's father is what bothers him. The fact that they put on a happy face for him, but their true feelings come out when African-Americans come there to play is what I think is the issue and the problem that ultimately was to let him say, you know what? I'm done here. Thank you. Get me out of here. And I wonder if that happens. Does Dwayne Wade say, you know what? I'm wasting money here because they have no star and, and say, I want to invest somewhere else. Atlanta's always accepted. I'll tell you what. Minority coins. It is It is a, a, a bad situation for the Jazz if yeah. Donovan Mitchell wants you out. You stuck with Rudy Gobert that needs somebody to facilitate to him. They've given him the max dollars, too, and he's not going anywhere. So if you have no Donovan Mitchell, what are you getting? That really makes my blood boil. And you should cut it up for just where he does the the most damage there, rather than the whole long thing. Uh, so it, it w- they show the people of Utah show their true colors when black people come to play here, like you know every three years when black people come to play here. Not every freaking game, <laughs> <laughs> and the people. The people, yeah, those four, five, six, seven, ten, maybe, idiots, those are the people, and they represent all of us. You got to really be careful about that stuff, man, because if you start going the other way, and you can't really go the other way unless you want to get yourself in big-time hot water, uh, and where does that end? If we take the actions of a few and project them across everybody, man... So your quest to make this the place that you can recruit a great NBA player, you're going to run up against that attitude. Because as much as you don't like that attitude, as much as all the listeners don't like that attitude, it's still out there. Perceptions are out and, there. And yeah. it still shadows the team. Right. There's no doubt about it. And so when you say it's going to be overcome, it's going to happen, and you got to allow for each player, man, they've got their own situations – Playing time, closer to home, relationships with coaches or teammates. I mean, there's a thousand things that go into this aside from 
You know, and, and he said in the middle of there, you go to Atlanta. Well, Atlanta, until very recently, has been an NBA disaster. I mean, there's so many things that go into this, aside from a popular perception of a city, negative or positive. So I think that that's, I think he is making a racist statement. Because what he's saying is that black people, and Ron Boone questioned me on this on the air. What I believe, and this is my opinion, and probably get me in trouble, but what the heck? Uh, I got to be honest. I believe that he's saying that those folks who wouldn't even sniff here because of what they have heard, that's an ignorant perception. So in my mind, he's calling those people ignorant. They're not smart enough to figure it out. Nobody wants to go to Utah because that they, the people showed their true colors when a black guy came to play here. That is a that's a silly statement. As opposed to they come how here things, all the time and they've been here for years and years and years. As opposed to how things really work in a tightly knit world where all the NBA players have each other's cell phone numbers and text all the time, hug before and after games because they're all friends. You played there. What's the deal? I believe that the individual has the level of intelligence to figure it out for himself. Now, he may not want to play here, but he may have a better offer. So be it. That's going to happen. It's going to be harder because this place isn't for everybody. I understand all that. But to make a blanket statement, I think is ignorant. And I think that you are insulting the level of intelligence of the people that you think you're sticking up for. And you don't realize that you're insulting their level of intelligence. Because basically, you're, you're insulting Dwayne Wade. You're saying, Dwayne, you wasted your money on this. Is he, is he not saying that? That's what I took. That's how I took it. And when he said that, I was like, Dwayne Wade's not losing money here. Pro sports owners aren't losing money these days. Dwayne Wade went to college for years. He's a businessman in addition to being a great ex-player now, Hall of Fame player. You mean to tell me he doesn't have a high level of intelligence? Of course he does. The valuation of these clubs is only going up. He is not going to lose money here, regardless of any one player. He chose here for a reason. He just said, you know, throw a dart on a dartboard and wherever it landed, that's where I'll go. I don't, and I, <laughs> it's I don't. not wheel of fortune here. I don't, we haven't had any long conversations. There hasn't been any of this going on. But just from the little bit that Ryan Smith has talked about in the media when he did a Zoom call and all that, and the way Dwayne Wade talked and the little bit of time that he's spoken, I came away with the impression that this isn't the only thing that they're working on together. Fine, whatever. You can do whatever they want there. Yeah. Doesn't matter so to they're, me. Not, they're not losing money. <laughs> they're going to make money. Oh, of course, yeah. And I'm not even sure that's the point. It was one of the points he threw out there. Dwayne Wade's going to be out of here because no, he's losing no, money. Bart what is he Scott, doing? But I don't think Bart, that... Bart Squat, but that was Bart's take yeah. on Dwayne Wade being in Utah. I, I understand that, but I don't think Dwayne Wade was really worried about that. I think he wanted to be associated with Ryan Smith yes. because he saw it as a good business opportunity to yes. do some things, whatever those things might be. Yes, and, so, and they're not going to lose and, money. And he investigated the situation, and so he went into it with eyes wide open, and he knows what he's getting into. I just think on the surface to say two things. 
things to say people, sh- the people showed their true colors as if every single one of us. In the arena did that, right. And then also, too, to say they, those, those players won't be interested in here. That's ignorant on their behalf, and by his behalf, saying all these players won't be interested because of some stereotype. No, they're smarter than that. They'll investigate it and find out this is a doggone good place to be. DJ and PK, when we come back, and Ann Myers, Drysdale, Phoenix Suns, and Mercury Vice President TV analyst will be here at 830 to talk NBA Finals. Bob Casper, ghost of Real Golf Radio at the British Open Preview and our draft at 9.05. All right, DJ PK, it is time now to give away a golfer for the Open Championship. You win a golf Open Championship giveaway. If you call a 12 right now, you'll qualify with a golfer. Who will the golfer be? Patrick Cantley. If Patrick Cantley wins, you'll receive the same brand of putter that is in his bag. And this is all brought to you by You in a Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. Call now, 855-340-ZONE. Be caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. The Top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season, it's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's a different time now, PK. Things have changed. Obviously, there's not so much standing on the sidelines and casual conversation. But <clears throat> you got any idea, any breakout college football players, any of the coaches you text with occasionally give you a heads up? Like, here's somebody nobody knows now, but they're going to be good. You've had some of these conversations in the past. And when we used to go up and stand, you, someone will, it's gotten to the point now, because so many people get this, that somebody will ask Kyle at one of the first availabilities in, uh, in August, who's it going to be? And he'll probably throw a name out there and be right about it. But I didn't know if you'd heard anything yet. A lot of times you get that in spring ball because they have their recruiting classes Done. Yeah. Now there's a couple of things going on this year, so I don't know that I have anybody specific right now because of the fact that there was no informal uh, access in spring ball. You know, they did Zoom calls in spring ball, but stuff off to the side wasn't available. And then with transfer portals, there's nothing really solidified until pretty much the first day of camp, and then maybe <laughs> right? even then. So yeah. you, the point being, you can go much longer than you normally go, uh, as opposed to, you know, by April in what is just a few years ago, but seems like 100 years ago relative to all the changes, you know, you pretty much knew 90% of your class was going to be there. And then there's a couple of guys usually that you had to see about uh, academically qualifying and then they would go through into the summer. And so you would see about that type of thing. And then those guys, whether they were good or not, they ultimately end up becoming legends. <laughs> you know, somebody will ask about them every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every like, day. BYU, who's, who's a guy? Walt Williams was some guy. I can remember they're asking Croton like every day about this. I don't know if he ever made it there. He did not. Yeah. The, the, the ghost of Walt Williams. Yeah. And there's no was, photos of this dude. It was some DB, if I remember. Five star cornerback yeah, out of some junior you know, college just, in Arizona. Yeah. He, oh, the best corner ever to come out of the state of Arizona. Even better than Mike Haynes. Ooh. Oh, now, there's a legendary <laughs> okay. That's a pull from the past. <laughs> well, he was the all-time Sun Devil. 
and uh, play in the NFL and has the yellow jacket, if you get my drift. Uh, so Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so then there was that. And that Olawasini guy here for Utah, everybody's asking about, oh, he's a mountain of a man. Well, I think he's still on the team, but I, I don't think he started much, played a whole lot. He's uh, expected to contend for a starting yeah. job this year. Finally. Well, it seemed like it was five years ago. But the, to yes. PK's point, there were enough questions <laughs> yeah. that you would have thought like, he was oh, in the Crimson geez. Club Hall of Fame now. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, Anthony Munoz, step aside. <laughs> you thought he was going to be an Outland Trophy winner, yeah. 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 You know, so they end up with the they, – they take on their own legends – uh, so if you want publicity, just uh, don't qualify early. And <laughs> so then they, people that just, is a true story. They start asking about them all the time. But there's been n- a number of stories. Uh, Eric Rowe comes to mind. You know, Kyle told me uh, I saw him working with the, like the first day, and I asked, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." He's in our two deep man. We expect a lot out of him. I went over to Eric Rowe. I had no idea <laughs> that I was going to be on the two deep. He's still in the NFL today. And Lance Reynolds, um, long-retired coach at BYU, I used to always saddle up to him in spring ball and say, hey, well, who's looking good? Uh, What do you got coming in? And and he'd give you names. And uh, he told one time he told me, you you keep your eye on this Harvey Unger, man. When he comes here, he's going to be something. And he was something. He was really, really good. So I haven't had that opportunity, so I'm not sure. But there are interesting storylines that are always there. And for me, uh, the number one storyline that I see going in is which running back is going to seize the job. Right. That's a big one. And there's three guys there that uh, I've got to take a look at. And I haven't seen... uh, We weren't available to go to spring ball. All we could do is just get stuff. So uh, I'm not sure. And we'll see about the training camp when that when that starts and even then you know Ty Jordan was not the starting running back if I remember correctly against SC he wasn't we got to get him more carries but in that very first game yeah more touches that was Kyle's post game and they lost that game and then that season really didn't count the way uh seasons count so I'm not hung up on the one the one loss record what did they go three and two or something Mm -hmm. it doesn't didn't really resonate with me but there's the opportunity to see some kids play and obviously he was the eye catcher the entire five games because he just got better and better and better And, and in my mind if he was alive and coming back they would be the favorite in the south because he is a proven commodity to the highest level even though he only played five games that's how incredible it was and it's a tragic story obviously so I have to wait and see. I don't. I don't know uh, the other thing those is, types of things. The other thing that's changing with the Utes is there. Well, there's more publicity around recruits, and then also the the guys who are stepping in are coming in. It's not Kyle getting guys under the radar anymore. You know, Clark Phillips comes in, and just all kinds of. Okay, uh, sure. I think that's a little bit of an exception, uh, but the the, the the recruiting obviously is getting better in that way. I could remember Kyle telling me, uh, "Yeah, John White's going to be our guy. He's going to run for a thousand yards, and he's a smaller dude, but he's got some breakaway speed and he stays strong throughout the whole game." And that was something. And then he told me Booker. Oh, yeah. Booker's Booker's an NFL guy. He didn't say that about John White, but I remember specifically him telling me Booker is an NFL guy. And he is. And he has been, right? He's uh, still playing, right? Broncos and Raiders? Yep. Uh, still doing his thing. So you know 
that that's good. I haven't, and it's a shame on that, but I understand. It's not like I'm complaining that why are these colleges shutting down? I mean, this was a weird year, so hopefully we see nothing like this again. And so I understand why there hasn't been that. But a lot of times to me, like I can remember Jake Murphy uh playing and he I think he'd come back from a mission right and he was going to go to BYU but he ends up going to Utah and I'm watching him during the training camp and and this kid you know he's looking pretty good so that spurs me like the Eric Rowe thing they didn't just tell me oh keep an eye on Eric Rowe no I saw Eric Rowe playing just in the end of portion of practice used to be you could go to all of it then they reduced it and now they don't do anything. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen going forward. Uh, but, you know, I saw Roe myself, so I was able to ask somebody about him. And I think in this case it was Kyle. With Jake Murphy, whoever was, maybe it was A-Rod, I can't remember who was the offensive coordinator at the time. But I saw him making plays, and he was a newbie. He hadn't played a single down. And and I ask, what what about them? And to me, and not I'm not an expert in, in evaluating football talent by any stretch, but I I've been around enough to know you can see stuff. And so I ask about Jake Murphy, and he ended up being a very good tight end. In fact, I I think he was like the first what I would call so called breakout tight end that they had had because they didn't really use the tight ends that much for a long time, and now they do, of course. And they've got a really good one uh, coming back uh, this year. We know that. So with that in mind, I need to see some stuff, too. But there hasn't been that interaction. And we all miss it. And we'll see what happens here in a few weeks. I mean, we're down 13 days uh, when we go to Jake Scott and I go down to California to bring you the Pac-12 Media Day. And that's... That's going to really get my blood pumping on multiple levels. I think it's going to get my blood pumping more than it ever has because of the fact it got taken away. And anything that you love that gets taken away, when it returns, you appreciate it much more. Like, for instance, you know, if you uh, take your spouse for granted and then your spouse has cancer and they say, well, you got, you know, it's a good thing you caught that because in another three weeks you'd probably be dead. Well, that tends to make you appreciate the spouse more. You know what I mean? (laughs) So that was a hypothetical? Uh, for some people, not for everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, I do. And that's a dramatic example, obviously. Uh, but that, that stuff has no, been taken think, away from us. I, I think, want a 12-game season, and I want it bad, and we yeah. all want it. Yeah. Well, I just think in the day-to-day life, just the last two years, people are looking forward to traveling again. I just saw a story just a couple days ago that the number of people getting on airplanes is going through the roof. Yeah, people didn't get to travel for a while, yeah. and now they're loving it. And and some of the places you still can't travel, and so for some people it's still on hold, and when it does get back, they'll be pumped. Well, yeah, I saw a thing, I've seen it multiple times now, that the Hawaiian government is looking to tax the crap out of people who are going to Maui because they're just flooding Maui, and they're being overrun by tourists. You would think that they would just welcome that, but it must the situation must be very difficult for them, and they're getting overrun, so they're looking to jack up uh, you know, a hotel and rent a car and whatever taxes that they come in. And they're asking uh, people in the U.S. mainland to stay away because they're getting overrun. Well, I haven't been around the world. I've never been to Europe. And there's so many places. I've never been to Australia. And then I've been to very basically I've never been to the places that you've been. Let's call it like it is. <laughs> but I've been to Maui and that's the finest place I've ever been. I've, I've never been to Maui. <laughs> you win. Yeah, I, well, I, gosh, I've been there four times for work too. Yeah, you've been to uh, you've been to Maui, and you've been to a bunch of places in the Caribbean. I haven't been. 
for work. Yeah. It's still there. Correct. Yeah. I, mean, I was in Australia for work, but I was still there. Sydney. Awesome. And Joe says Melbourne's even better. I don't know if that's homerism or, man, if it's better. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't been down there. I would love to go down there at some point in my life to visit those places. And, you know, I've got to visit Italy and, and Ireland. Those Both my grandfathers were born in those respective countries. And that's something that I would look to do. So in, in time, uh, down the line, if it should um, make itself available, hopefully it does. But for here, for the low, just, just have normal college football. Arizona against BYU in Vegas. You know, I was there, Arizona, BYU in uh, Glendale when they played in that stadium. And now they're going to play in Vegas, and I'm going to go down there for that one. And that's just absolutely awesome. And just just the fact that they're there playing football, and just the fact that we're having Pac-12 Media Day, because we didn't have it last year, and you had to go through and prove you had the vaccine and all that stuff. And I got Yacht to take care of me to prove that and the guy got the stuff so we're good to go even though my fingers were kind of blocking the thing when we took the picture <laughs> <laughs> he sent me back the thing yesterday and said okay you're good to go so uh and that's from jake is going to do the same thing and that's going to be just that's going to be so awesome i'm so excited for it uh, and i would be normally excited for it anyway but i'm going to be even more excited for it for this year and there's going to be breakout stars that's the good thing about it there's going to be breakout players for all of our teams in the state we i don't necessarily i don't i feel like i i don't have as much information as i've had in the past at this point but once we get going then we'll get up to speed on that and we'll be able to talk about that dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone nba finals next with Ann Myers-Drysdale, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President, TV Analyst. We'll talk with her next. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Jonathan Tabinari, former BYU great. You had some great insight and going back and forth on Team USA and why this team seems to have its struggles playing international-style basketball. When you're playing international competition, it's tough. It's a different ballgame, guys. Physically, it's very 90s NBA-esque. You know, you could put a forearm, you could use your hands, and uh, the hands part of the ball. And it's very much in that type of situation that it's very physical. And this is not going to say that that Greg Popovich is not the Hall of Famer that he is, but I just don't see how his style of personality and coaching fits what the international scene is. There's a whole lot of things that need to change for this team so they can win gold medals. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision loves teachers. If your teacher needs LASIK, Davis Vision wants to give back. Schedule a free consultation appointment and inquire about additional savings to their summer sale price. Call them today at 801-253-3030 or check them out at davisvisionmd.com. Game four of the NBA Finals tonight in Milwaukee. And I know here it's like, ah, oh, this will be an interesting game. We'll watch it. The level of anticipation and nervousness and uh, the jitters both these fan bases have to be feeling. It has been so long for the Bucks. 50 years since they won a title. 47 years since they were in the finals. And for the Suns, their third trip to the finals, they never won it. And just as Jazz fans are thinking, this is our year. Everything is set up. There's no super team. You know that's what the Suns and Bucks fan bases are thinking. And now they're... Phoenix is two games away. The Suns are three. 
Huge game. We talked about this earlier in the show, PK. If the Suns win, they lead 3-1. If the Bucs win, especially if Giannis goes off, they're going to feel like they lead 2-2. I mean, the series will be tied, but if Giannis has another big game, that's three straight games. They, they got no answer for Giannis. The Suns are in trouble. If he goes off and the Bucs win. Yeah, yeah. So I would just think the level of anticipation, both these, uh, both these cities, both these states, because in both states they're the only team in the state, you got to be real high. <laughs> These people got to be on edge. Yeah, yeah. The, there's so much that goes into this game. There's so much of the psychological. There's games within the games. You know, what do they do defensively on, on to come to try to rein him in to a degree? Uh, what do the, the Suns do to, to make sure Aiden stays out on the floor? Uh, what does Booker do? Uh, just so much uh, intrigue into this. That's why I love sports, you know, because it's real. It's It's not really real life in terms of life and death and all that stuff, but it's real. It's live. It's not scripted. And how how all of this is going to play out, I'm really intrigued to sit down in front of my television tonight, what, at 7 o'clock, and watch this ball game. And, yeah, if the suns go up, man, they're going to be so excited, but then, yeah, wow, there's a lot of pressure on them. Uh, we know with the Jazz, just putting uh, put yourselves in the Jazz fans, uh, Suns fans, if your team has a 2-0 lead and then all of a sudden it's 2-2, how that changes dramatically and it switches back and forth and there's so much intrigue involved in this game that I'm I'm looking forward to, to see what happens, see what Booker can do to bounce back. And Chris Paul has been pretty consistent throughout and then Chris Paul's a story unto himself. Uh, trying to get a title here at age thirty six. Uh, you know, it's it's like a John Elway story of uh being close a number of times and being a great, great player. Arguably, uh, possibly the best of your era, you know, at the point guard position if you want to go Chris Paul. Uh, and then pulling it off at 36? Wow. <laughs> Unprecedented. Yeah, if it's done. And great story. And in your first year, on a team that hadn't been in the playoffs, and then in the NBA, that just doesn't happen. Maybe in the NFL it happens more to a degree. Uh, teams worst to first, but not that the Suns were worst, but not being in the playoffs and then winning the title the next year. That's a, that's that's amazing. I think it's great for the league too because the I think the league has taken a hit and that it's somewhat predictable. You know, in October you can circle two or three teams and you're probably going to get it. Well, I mean, I don't think anybody had the Suns circled. Maybe some had the Bucks. Uh but nobody, nobody. I can't believe anybody had the Suns, had the Suns in mind. I'd be shocked if somebody said, yeah, I picked the Suns to go all the way. Not just to get to the finals is amazing, but to go and win it would even be more amazing. Don't, I, don't, I didn't see it. I thought their best, I thought their ceiling was fourth in the West. I thought if they got to fourth in the West, that would be a highly, highly successful season. They blew past that. Second in the West, second in the NBA, and now sitting two games away from the NBA title. They're first. Uh, you know, the Bucks were actually in preseason odds. The Bucks were right there with the Nets and, uh, and the Clippers. Right, so it's not nearly as out right. outrageous. Right, they got a two-time MVP, yeah. and if anything, people cooled down a little, just disappointing they hadn't broken through and gotten to the finals in one of the previous two no, seasons. No, but I thought their team was better this year. 
with holidays Holiday. there, yeah. and they're still in the mix. And on to Kempo, I mean, when we talk about Mitchell is still young, and man, there's a there's a chance for him to gather this postseason experience, play better, and but all those things you can say, playing better and bigger moments, you can say about Giannis too. Sure, yeah, exactly. So they were right there. I've actually I've actually got the preseason odds right here, and. Uh, 11. Looks like the Suns were tied for 12th with the Jazz. The Suns, the Blazers, and the Jazz were all kind of lumped yeah, together. Yeah, and I thought the Jazz were under-respected going into the season. Because in my mind, I had them second. If things came together, I had them second. The the Now, this was on a 72-game season, but the Jazz over-under for wins was at 41.5, and the Suns were at 38.5. So, a little over 500. But, and that shocked me. The Jazz yeah. a little over five hundred. They'd be like, in my mind, it was no way. Right, five hundred and seventy-two game season is thirty-six wins. I'm not a better by any stretch, literally zero. But I would have bet on that if I were a better. But I'm not. And there it was, and you, you would have been telling right. me the over under for the Jazz was forty-one, forty-one point five. I'm I looking did, at it to right me, now. There was n- yep. That was a no-brainer that they would get over that. It made me nervous. I remember we did segments on it when the season was starting, and it made me nervous. It's like, well, what does Vegas know that we don't know? Maybe we know something they don't know. I mean, it, the Vegas, as much as they want to know what's going on, they also have to estimate, okay, how is the, how is the, how is the, how is the, uh, the better, the population, uh, how are they going to react? Because they want to split the money. Right? They don't want everybody on one team because then they can lose. If they get the money spread around to everybody, then they're going to win because they keep all the losers' money and 10% of the winners' money. What a good deal for them. What the Jazz did in the regular season, knowing what I know now, didn't surprise me. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. i got to pull that apart. Now I'm getting a headache. What I, they, I think it didn't surprise you because you knew it now. What right? What I mean by that is the, the the Jazz finishing with the best record didn't surprise me, knowing that the Lakers had massive injuries. Yes, it's nothing okay. to do with the Jazz. Okay, it's what the Lakers. I didn't expect their two stars to sit out fifty some games combined. Right. Whatever it was, I don't I don't know what it was, but it obviously was a high amount of games. And you didn't. Murray was going to go down in the middle of the season. If you would have told me that. And then said, do you think this, the Jazz have a chance to get the best record? I would have said absolutely. Because I already expected the Clippers to miss a bunch of games. Nothing surprising there. Right. Because that's who they are. They're going to miss games. And then you you throw in the other two injuries there. Then yes, I thought, okay, I can understand that. So the Jazz unto themselves didn't surprise me. A little surprised that they finished with the best record, but that, to a degree, was built on circumstances of the other teams. Now, that that I don't want to take anything away from the Jazz because they earned the best record. Conversely, under all circumstances, if you told me the Suns would finish with the second best record, one game behind the team with the best record, I would have said, no way. So... I would have won my money with the Jazz, and then I would have turned around and lost it with the Suns. And that's how Vegas wins, because you lose all your money, and they keep 10% of the stuff you win, so you're behind. So it's better that you just kept your wallet in your pocket. Which is what I do. Yes.
having grown up in a family and still <laughs> in a family of people who don't keep their wallet in their pocket. Gambling is, is, is like the number one recreational activity. Absolutely. It still is a very, although they don't do any, uh, I can't say they don't do any sports betting, but that's not predominantly what they do. Uh, it's more the casino stuff uh, that they do and have fun with that, and that's fine. So be it if that's what they want to do. I don't. Have but in retrospect, the Nuggets, who uh, were five games back, they lost Murray. The Clippers, well, again, Kawhi's going to play three quarters of the games. Right, right. And the Lakers were gutted by injuries, and the Blazers and Warriors yeah. got hit by injuries. And, and I thought yeah. that uh, the uh, Lakers... Uh, I didn't think they were as good as last year. I thought all the changes they made made them a little worse. I didn't believe in the guys that they brought in as much as the guys that they had. So combined with the injuries, they fell to seventh. That, well, that duh. I mean, that's clear. Because I didn't think they were as good a team uh, coming back. Seven still seems like a long way to fall. But mm-hmm. the margin between, I mean, it was a three-way tie for fifth. So it's not that far, I guess. Yeah, they lost the tiebreakers, and they were seven instead of five or six. I didn't think Chris Paul would have this level of impact. You also didn't think Aiden would get this much better, which is partly Paul's impact. Yeah, the thing about Aiden is that it's really relatively a short span of time that he got better. There's still a lot of games where he's just kind of drifting. In the postseason, he's put it together. And then the Suns have an interesting situation with him financially. You know, what type of commitment? Because is he is he now arrived or is he going to go in a funk? Because he's going to play the majority of his career without Chris Paul. So really, you're getting back, this is where sports stories repeat themselves. Is it all that different than Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash? Was Stoudemire that good or did Nash make him that good? And now is Aiton that good or is Paul making him that good? Well, I think Stoudemire was good, and I didn't question Stoudemire's aggressiveness. See, with Aiton, you, are you going to bring it? Because the, the star in this league, a la Mitchell, brings it yeah, all the time. Doesn't mean they're at the right. top of their game, but, if but they they're give, giving you everything they got but all if the they, time. But if they give Aiton the big money, where's he going to go? They're pretty much locked in because they already gave Booker the big money. And once you give two guys their thirty million, whatever Booker's give a going thir- uh, thirty one next year, and then thirty four and thirty six. Man, right? Wow. Gosh, I know. But in the <laughs> NBA, that was a good deal for the Suns. They had to give Booker the money. You know what? I had heard a thing when they signed Booker to that deal. Mm-hmm. At that point, he's like twenty three years old, mm-hmm. and he'd already made more money. He would be guaranteed more money than Larry Fitzgerald made his entire NFL. <laughs> And Larry Fitzgerald is like first ballot slam dunk Hall of Famer. And he's all interview team. He doesn't just give you the production. Like he goes over and talks to all the media and sells tickets. Oh, yeah. People hang on his every word. He spoke at John McCain's funeral service. What more do you need to know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Yeah. This guy. War, war hero, yeah. presidential candidate, senator, face of politics in Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, people are lining up ready to speak. And so you got, and I have no idea what Larry Fitzgerald's politics are. That's not the point. The point is, the family wanted Larry Fitzgerald. Maybe John himself wanted 
Larry Fitzgerald to speak, and obviously stuff you stuff you get told off to the side. It was a weird deal, but a guy who was at UC Santa Barbara and I was there ended up working in the Pitt athletic department. And when Larry Fitzgerald was in college, told me you got to pay attention to this guy. He's unbelievable. And I was talking to him because they'd had a Thursday night game, so I'd seen him make like two awesome touchdown catches on fades. And he's like, he's better off the field than he is on. It's yeah. not an act. He's not going to get soured by the money. This guy is incredible, and you have to pay attention. So I did, and everything I was told came true. Like, that is who he was. Awesome on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Phenomenal for the PR department and ownership off the field. So I thought that was incredible that Booker would earn Booker that could make cash. more money than him. Yeah, But yeah, now, yeah. if you give it to Aiton, it's not that you're capped out, but your options are severely limited. And At I'm that not, point, you I'm start— I'm not sure about Aiton. I know. I get that. I'm pretty sure about Booker. Oh, yeah. You had to give Booker the money. He's going. You can I, always get burned, but you yeah. still had to give it to him. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't. But the odds were it was going to. And it has. And are you going <laughs> to... They're in the finals. Are you going to ball? That's... If Aiden... Yeah, I will Or ball. is Aiden going to be the deal where you're, you're going to be a year and a half into the contract thinking, and how much longer does this contract go? Yeah. When are we out from under this? So I don't know or, about that. Man. Or... He's really figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's worth it. And, he's and, and he, he could be dominant. Yeah. He can be dominant. He's got a skill set. He's probably not going to be shooting threes, uh, but he can he can do a lot of great, great things for you. And he's just tapping the surface, man. He's still a pup. What is he, still 21? I think he's turned 22 now, but yeah. to your point, he's still, there's a solid decade of, Awesome NBA play in front of him. Yeah, yeah. He'll probably get the money, but I mean, he makes me a little nervous because listening and talking to people down in Phoenix, you know, what's the motor on the guy? Because you got to have a burning desire to succeed, and it's got and it's got to be a full time commitment. It doesn't mean you can't have you know a vacation or a day off here and there, but it's still it has to be virtually every day for you to max out whatever skill level you got. And I believe the great ones do that. They they have that commitment. I don't think anybody, they may be blessed. LeBron's been blessed with a tremendous body. But I believe you have to put in the work at a high, high level to be able to produce at a high, high level. And I believe all the great ones are able to do that because of the amount of effort and the motor, the, the drive, and all the things that they have in which it is never seen. It is behind uh, closed gym doors or in a weight room or whatever it might be. And I just wonder, does Aiton have that? Maybe he does. And if he does, then I think the Suns can be right back and be a contender again next year, assuming Chris Paul comes back. Well, I think, I think. that's a big question, Mark. But now they got to get this thing here. This is a huge game for them tonight. This is a, it's not a clinching game, but it's sort of a series deciding game. Which direction is this series going to go? If you win and go, go through, up 3 1, you haven't won it, but the odds tip overwhelmingly in your favor. Especially when you have two of the next three at home and, against a team yeah. that hasn't won a championship and has doubt. And you're going to have to rain Giannis into it one degree or another. So you will have found a formula that you can repeat that for game five. And game five, if the Suns win 
tonight. You said Game 5 Saturday? Yep. Game 5 Saturday will be the biggest sporting event. Since Game 7 in Arizona? No, I was going to say since uh, the Cardinals had the NFC title game. Okay. And I think that was in 08, because I think it was the Super Bowl of uh, 09. So I guess it would have been 09, the playoff. Or was it 08 was the Super Bowl? It was the 07 season. I can't remember. Uh, you got me there. I can't that, remember that. And I, that was pretty big, obviously. And I think that the way it transpired, somebody beat somebody and that it ended up being a home game. For, and it wasn't for, supposed to be? For, yeah, if I remember correctly. Because they only went like 9-7 and seven that season. But they ended up getting a wild card team? Yeah, yeah. Because they were like, I think they were the Cardinals were like 7-7 seven and seven, and the seventh loss... I think it was like... Uh, You're right. It was the 08 season, 09, and the beat the Eagles. Thanksgiving evening, and the Eagles just kicked the crap out of them in the regular season. 48 they, to 20. And they came back yeah. and then got them, and that was obviously a huge deal. That was... Yeah. They were 9-7 and seven and lost 4-6 of six going into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. It's the outlier. Be good when you got to be good, but usually the teams that are good no, are the teams that do it. No, that doesn't happen. But we had a couple of Giants, I think. Yeah, they were 9-17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they won it. That's the NFL situation there. So I think this will be the biggest thing. And that town is already on fire in the summer because uh, it's so blazing hot. But the temp is going to crank up another 20 degrees. All right, DJ and PK. Yach will continue to chase uh, chase down Ann Myers Drysdale. Don't know what happened there, but uh, he'll work on that. We got Bob Casper, co-host of Real Golf Radio, coming up with our British Open preview at nine oh five, and it is time for another Open Championship giveaway brought to you by Uinta Golf. Be caller twelve right now, and you are competing for Matthew Fitzpatrick. And if Matthew Fitzpatrick wins the Open Championship, you will receive the same brand of putter that's in his bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since nineteen seventy one. Call eight five five three four zero zone. Eight five five three four zero zone. The Big Show. The Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. The television voice of the Utah Jazz, the one and only Greg Bowler. Jack, give me a pulse of jazz fandom. What are people coming up and talking to you about? I've found three things. First, they declare a disappointment, which is kind of the process of grieving. They get that out of their system, and then they start talking about what if, which is another part of the process. That, boy, I wish that Donovan and Mike would have been healthy at the same time. And then the third one is, what are we going to do to make this really happen and keep Donovan happy? That's kind of the series of questions. I think this is way, way too early to discuss a Donovan Mitchell issue, but I'm anxious to see how Ryan takes care of this offseason. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. To win tickets Wednesday, Salt Lake Bees are going to open a six-game homestand against the Las Vegas Aviators beginning on July 22nd. Come out and support the Bees. It's better at the ballpark. Tickets on sale now at slbs.com. We've got a four-pack of tickets to the game on Thursday, July 22nd. So be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Yach already got the golf qualifier. That's done. Just giving away stuff left and right. 855-340-ZONE. Four-pack of tickets to see the Bees on July 22nd against the Las Vegas Aviators. I don't have the whole league memorized, PK. I used to. I used to know every team and who they were aligned with. 
Are the Aviators the Dodgers? I want to say Padres. Didn't we look this up the other day? Aren't they with the Athletics? Did we? Yeah, I think we, we did. did look it up. Oh, but Padres! Padres El Paso. Padres yeah, are El Paso. Where El Paso. was. Yeah. The and I think the Dodgers are back in Albuquerque, are they not? No, they're Oklahoma City. You they sure? are, they are, yeah. They've been, they've been in Oklahoma I, City for some time. Right, but I thought they I thought I had heard that they were going back. Albuquerque, I believe, is the Diamondbacks. No, Reno is the Diamondbacks. Who's got Oakland's in Las Vegas. There it is. We looked this up like I think we I did. Like a week ago. <laughs> All right, DJ PK. So the question of the day, and we've still got people uh, lining up on this. What are some of the better what ifs in sports? Now I had a bunch of jazz what ifs. As far as uh, Jordan and the the steal from Malone, uh, what if uh, we had Dallas Cowboys? What if Jimmy Johnson doesn't leave? Here's one for you: What if Bledsoe never got hurt? When does Brady get his chance? He was too good to to not get his chance. And you can't say, man, that was a freaky event that just unleashed Tom Brady well, it to was. greatness. Not it to was, greatness. But what else would have come on to unleash Tom Brady? Something would have, right? Yes. I mean, does he just win the job? And, and yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. I can't remember at this point. I guess we go back and look it up. What was Bledsoe's contract situation? Because if Belichick thinks he has a younger, less expensive player who can play at the same level or better... He's making the move. Or if he we, has an asset, he trades him. Right. Brady would be Brady. He didn't need the injury to Drew Bledsoe. Maybe he's not Brady in New England. I got a decent But one. then if he doesn't have the team around him, he doesn't go on to win all these Super Bowls. But he's still, I mean, he wins two or three instead of seven well, or eight uh, or nine or wherever this is going. Two or three. <laughs> I know. But now we always like to say we like stories. He won one in, uh, with Tampa. Tampa nothing to do with the other I know. team. So, so we like Brady's to see stories. Brady. And we're seeing a story we've never seen. And would we have seen it to this level? Brady's Brady, yes. <laughs> Brady's Brady, man. But there's a long stretch where he didn't win Super Bowls. In what should have been his prime. Yeah, but it, he that's, won him before that's his prime reality. and after his that's prime. That's the reality. That, uh, he's still in his prime. <laughs> You're not in your prime in your 40s. No. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. <laughs> still good enough to win a championship. I can't speak for you, but I don't know. I, <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Shut that down. I'll you walked you, yourself into uh, that I, one. No, the thing is, you got to let PK have his laugh. Just admit it and let him have his laugh before it gets even worse. He's like, if you don't realize yet. I'll tell you some stories if you want to know. Nope, nope, really don't. No, no. No. Let's just say I ran a lot of marathons. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Zach, Zach puts this one in. What if Taysom Hill doesn't get hurt every year? How good is BYU? (laughs) Okay, fine. How good is BYU? He hurdles Texas, but then he gets hurt against Utah State. Oh, what if Utah State? They didn't play Utah State. He always got hurt against Utah State. <laughs> he, he didn't play against Brian Sweet. <laughs> he did get hurt at Nebraska, too. Yeah, he did, but, yeah. He but did. he did get hurt a couple times against Utah State. Yeah. What if? How but, I, mean, I, I think wins? there's a lot of players you could say injury-wise on that. Sure. I, injuries have derailed many, many players in many different sports. I mean, you look at the Cubs and Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor, you know, they look like they had the world by the tail, two stud yep. pitchers, and they get hurt. Derailed. So there's, you can say that the injuries is the one thing that you can say about so many guys. Brandon Roy, remember him? Oh, uh, yeah. Basketball. Portland Trailblazers. Greg Oden. 
I mean, on Knees, and on. Man. Yeah. Well, so, you just got to stick with the Blazers. <laughs> the Blazers alone. Guys, yeah. yeah. Right. So you you can go to an extent. You know, Mark Eaton had back issues. His and, career could have gone a few more years. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so you know he could have been maybe the center on finals teams, or maybe they would have gone to the finals earlier. So I think injuries are always the great what if across the board. You can't single out any individual because there's so many of them. How about if Phil Mickelson hits the fairway? Oh, and he wins the U.S. Open yeah. instead of hitting the tent yeah. and the tree and whatever yeah. else he hit. He's got the slammy. Uh, now, he's already had a phenomenal career. But he'd have the career slam. But, yeah, yeah. He'd have it, man. Or is that what's driven him here later? If he had it, would it have driven late in his career like this? I, I think it's two separate things. I can't say that for sure. But I think his desire to compete, I mean, his body got himself, he's in much better shape at 51 than he was at 31 or 41. What if Phil Mickelson got in better shape at 31? Maybe so, yeah. Could he be sitting on 10? That's something to be said for that, yeah. I mean, there's. Uh, I've heard guys talk about that. I've heard George Brett talk about that. Mickey Mantle talked about that. You know, if they would have t- taken maybe conditioning a little more seriously, and may have prevented injury. Now, the both those two guys are Hall of Fame dudes. Yeah. Uh, but Mantle sitting on 500 and whatever, 36 homers, whatever it is. And he died young. Yeah. And he talked about that. Don't be me. Yeah, that. that was a powerful quote. Yeah. So he said, you'll be here, I want to be like you. And he said, don't be like me. Yeah. He had a lot of regrets. Right. He had a lot of regrets. Right, right. So... That Here's a good one. Comes to mind. Richard says, "What if the Jazz drafted Magic? <laughs> what if every team drafted Magic? <laughs> yeah, but the but Jazz I mean, they had, had the, the rights they potentially. Pick, blah right? blah blah. Yeah. But that wasn't our Jazz. Well, that would have changed everything. That was the other Jazz, right? They were still in New Orleans when, the uh, deal when they went made down. the deal for yeah. Gail Goodrich. They were in New Orleans, right? But they were here by the time. Yeah, but the that pick was too late. Up. Okay, but if the, the deal, deal hadn't been, been made, made, if the deal hadn't been made, and the Jazz could have drafted Magic Johnson, well, they'd, they'd have five titles. <laughs> <laughs> well, he wouldn't have had Kareem. I don't care. <laughs> he would have won it anyway. <laughs> I don't care, man. The only guy you can look at a six-time MVP and the leading scorer in the history of the NBA and go, eh. Kareem Shableen, blah, blah, blah. I pumped yeah. him up big time. I said he deserves consideration for greatest player. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that's, but. Come on, Magic. He just would have, what would have taken? But when he Magic, done it. when they went to Philly without Kareem, it was such a foregone conclusion. Like, and you're flying, you're just all the way across the country, and Kareem's got a sprained ankle. It's like, didn't he'll be back him. for game seven. Don't need him. And it didn't Magic's really occur. Summer's over. Summer's <laughs> begun for you. Season's over, big fella. I got this. The only guy. Be Cancun on three in the huddle before game six. I got this. I know, and it was so off the radar. I mean, I was absolutely assuming. Well, it's coming back for seven, and if Kareem's in pretty good shape, then the Lakers can win it. Don't don't. And instead, don't, Magic don't, just wins it in six. Don't don't doubt Magic. Come <laughs> on. Uh, what if? Well, the Jazz would have a title. I don't know that they'd have five, but they'd have one. Oh, one Magic one. What are you talking about? Magic would have had more than one. Get out of town. Everything changes because then they're then they're probably not in position to draft John and Carl. They don't I mean, need them. Everything changes. Maybe Larry doesn't buy the team because Larry hadn't bought the team at that oh, point. Oh, you're going nuts. Yeah, but the team takes off. Magic is filling the building. Ownership's got money. They don't need to sell. 
everything changes. History is altered. Maybe so. All right, DJ and PK. <laughs> we got a great one. All right, we got to go to break. Uh, but remind me, we got a great one for uh, later in the show. What if? Hit us up. What if? What are the greatest? What are some of the better what ifs in sports? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, it is time to talk NBA Finals with Ann Myers Drysdale. Vice President for the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, and a broadcaster as well. And she joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. And good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. We have, uh, we've been discussing there's a lot of parallels between uh, Phoenix and Salt Lake City. It's two teams that have been in the playoffs a lot and been to the finals a couple times, but never won a title. And I would think on the morning of Game 4, up 2-1, to one, there's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of anticipation. There's some serious jitters amongst people who have no control over the outcome, but are seriously emotionally invested anyway. Aren't they? <laughs> The fans certainly are emotionally uh, involved. And, um, you know, that's what makes the games fun, too, because it was nice to see the crowds back after the pandemic. And um, certainly the timing couldn't be better going into the playoffs. And uh, I think Utah is one of the toughest places to play. Uh, Their fans are fanatics, which are fantastic that they support the Jazz so well. And, uh and quite frankly, the the Suns have that same kind of support too. So, um, you know, the, I was a big part of <clears throat> cheering for the Stockton and Malone years. And you know, Mark Eaton, we just passed. He just passed away. Was a huge friend of mine from UCLA. And um, you know, that was pretty sad. And I talked to Frank Layden about that, and he said, you know, the Utah Jazz probably wouldn't be where they were today if if uh, Mark Eaton hadn't played for the Jazz. And uh, so, um, yeah, they're, they're just on the verge, and they had some tough games. And uh, so the Suns have stayed in it, and they're in the finals. Yeah, I grew up at uh, I-17 and Greenway Road, so uh, I, I know the uh, Phoenix area. My sisters live there. My parents are gone, but my, my sisters are way into it. My wife's a native of the Phoenix area, and I was compared moving up. I moved up to Salt Lake here in 1993, and I've always compared here to what it was like with the Suns before the Cardinals, before the Coyotes, before the Diamondbacks. And, you know, it was the, the one big pro team was the basketball team and, and uh, how they really rallied around it. This, the, the, there's a lot of similarities in the community, so I'm excited to, to see the Suns. In my mind, as I looked at the Suns going into the season, I thought that all things, if all things went well, best case, they could finish fourth in the West. You know, I thought home court in the first round would be great. And obviously they superseded that. From you being up close, what are some of the reasons that I think, as far as most prognostications, they've exceeded them? Well, certainly as we know, and everybody will tell you that's part of the league, that, you know, injuries play a huge part of where teams end up at the end. And we were fortunate. Dario got hurt early on. He had, he had the COVID situation. So he sat out. Frank Kaminsky played in uh, some big games and started. Um, Jay Crawford was out some games. And, you know, that was early on for us. So we basically stayed pretty healthy. And, um, you know, losing uh, Dario to the finals was huge. Uh, 
um, certainly we've seen the effect. And it's it's tough to even slow down Giannis. Um, he's just a tremendous uh, athlete. But uh, you know, for the Suns, they've got to continue to play balance like they always have. I think uh, you know certainly Monty Williams and James Jones has been a, a great uh, team themselves. And you know, Monty and his staff, I think, uh, as far as is just keeping everybody emotionally in check and they know what they have to do and and when they pass the ball and when they obviously make shots i mean they play as well as anybody um you know they had the second best record to the jazz uh they had the best road record uh certainly teams what's great about the playoffs is you have an an opportunity to adjust and uh i thought milwaukee did a great job adjusting they were desperate they were down 2-0 and uh, they came out playing aggressive they were uh coming at you hard and I think the big thing, Giannis is going to get his numbers. There's no question. But I think having Holiday and Middleton really step up helped them. And uh, they dominated the paint. They dominated the boards. They got fast breaks. But, you know, if we make shots, they're not going to get those fast breaks. If we are more aggressive on the, the boards, they probably won't score as much. Um, you know, when Bridges only gets four shots and the game before he had 27, you know, there's got to be a little bit more balance. And, uh, so, you know, I know Monty and his staff is going to make great adjustments. I don't think Book is going to have uh, this kind of shooting that he had last game. And, uh, you know, again, just making adjustments. And uh, certainly the defense is going to be a key and staying out of foul trouble. So how much of it do you think comes down to the 50-50 balls, the offensive rebounds, coming up with the deflected ball? Because it seems like the first three games – I know the home teams won the first three games – and, and maybe that's the energy of the crowd, partly, but it seems like the team that has won those battles has won the games, and it seems like Game 4 ought to be the same deal. Well, absolutely. And as I said, with Milwaukee going back home, they've got their crowd behind them, and uh, certainly you play with a different edge when you're at home, a little bit more confidence. And uh, at being down 2-0, they made some adjustments, and they made big adjustments, uh, certainly making shots. But, yeah, absolutely. All those are, are part of the game as far as deflections and jump balls and fouls and uh, boxing out and setting the right screens and getting good pick and rolls and, um, you know, who's going to have the energy to go after it. And, you know, these are the finals. How many minutes are guys going to play? I know Aiton, uh, since that last game, is basically averaging 40 minutes a game. Um, you know, so certainly it's going to be important that he stay out of foul trouble. Easier said than done because Giannis is a very difficult player to defend in this league, as uh, Kevin Durant is. Uh, There's certain guys that, you know, Luca, he's another guy, but uh, Book is tough to guard. And I think uh, certainly the adjustments that Milwaukee did with Middleton and, and Tucker going back and forth and changing up defenses on him, you know, so what does Phoenix do to adjust to that? Holiday put a lot more pressure on uh, uh, Chris Paul bringing the ball up. and uh, But again, if we get if we make shots, um, we're going to have the opportunity to not let Milwaukee run. Um, if they miss shots, we'll have the opportunity to run. So can we make 23s again? I don't know. But I don't think we shoot as poorly at the three-point line as we did the last game. What makes Monty Williams who he is? Well, that's just his upbringing. His upbringing and, uh, you know, the people that influenced him as, as growing up as a kid. And uh, certainly I know his high school coach, uh, Cap Tickman, was very important in his life. Went to Notre Dame. And just the coaches he's been around his life, uh, 
certainly the tragedy in his life with his uh, wife passing away in a car accident. And, uh, you know, he just, he knows what life is about. He's a teacher and he's really under, you know, he steps back and lets these guys be who they are. Um, what's been enjoyable to watch from afar is they're, they're, they've been like a high school team all year long. I mean, they all enjoy each other. They do things together. Uh, they're laughing. They're having fun. Um, and yeah, Giannis talks about it. You know, you got to have fun playing the game of basketball. Um, but certainly I think Monty Williams has been, he and James Jones have a great relationship. But Monty, again, being in San Antonio with Pop and uh, being, a, you know, one of the Olympic coaches a few years ago and just being around different coaches. And it really is a fraternity with those guys. And, uh, you know, it just it's his personality, too. I mean, he just. He's a, a kind man, and he cares about people, and he cares about the game and, and his players. And the, the one word that they've used a lot this year is trust. The players trust him, and uh, he, he's not going to divulge things in order to put them, you know, in the limelight, per se. But, uh, you know, Chris Paul was with him at Oklahoma City and Willie Green, the assistant coach. And so just a lot of good connections with everybody. Ann Myers-Drysdale joining us, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President and a broadcaster as well. So is there a sense that this is an opportunity that just has to be grabbed, that everything is lined up, the super teams have their injuries, and Chris Paul's 36, and how much longer can he play at this really high level? Is there that kind of, Has there been that kind of sense all year that this is the chance and you got to grab it? No, I, I think for me and... and Watching from the outside, I would say that, uh, you know, every year is you always feel like you got to go for it. Um, I think sometimes when players do get older, and we've heard, you know, the announcers say you can't beat father time. Well, that's true, but um, certainly LeBron is continuing to play at a certain level. And, you know, Vince Carter played till he was 40 something, and uh, Kareem played when he was 40 something. And certainly you change your game. I mean, Kobe played 20 years. Uh, you change your game, and uh, you can't do things that you did when you were 25. But certainly I think Chris Paul still is uh, understanding what he's capable of doing. I've never been one to look at a player that, uh, or anybody that uh, I don't look at what they can't do. I look at what they can do. And so certainly everybody has their, their positive things that they bring to the table. And I, I just think, yes, this is a great year. Everything's fallen in line for for both teams, and I'm sure both teams feel the same way that they're they're going. One of them is going to be the champion, but um, you know certain things play into the game. As as you talked about the 50-50 balls and who's knocking shots down, who's going to get into foul trouble, who's going to get hurt. Um, you know, there's so many other variables that happen, but uh, we'll have the same attitude going into next year, no matter what happens this year. And uh, I don't know who's going to be on the team. You know, contracts play a big deal on it. Um, you know, players want to go somewhere else or whatever. And, you know, there's so many other things that happen. So your late brother Dave played for the Bucks. Did you grow up a Bucks fan? I grew up a Celtics fan, actually. Um, my mom and dad are from Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, I was a Bill Russell, John Havlicek fan growing up in Jerry West. We moved out to Southern California in the early 60s and uh, certainly watching – West and Baylor and, and uh, Chamberlain and 
um, Happy Harrison, um, and I got out of college at UCLA the same time that, you know, magic came. And then my brother David was drafted by the Lakers, and he was in the dra- uh, the trade that brought Kareem to L.A., and David went to Milwaukee. So, you know, obviously, you know, Bobby Dandridge and, you know, Kareem and Oscar had won the championship in Milwaukee, but, you know, David played with, uh, you know, Quinn Buckner and, uh, Larry Costello was the first coach and then Nellie came in, Don Nelson. And so Marcus Johnson and, um, you know, so yeah, it was hard not to root for the Bucks, uh, especially when my brother David was playing. So, uh, for me, it's kind of ironic. Uh, the family is very excited about, uh, both teams playing against each other. And Myers Drysdale joining us, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President, TV analyst. For the younger listeners who don't know this, you actually uh, not only dominated in college, you got a contract with the Pacers and got to go try out. It was a very big deal at the time. And I'm curious what how you view the progression of women's coaches now and the odds of an NBA team hiring a female head coach soon. This has to have been something you've thought about a lot over the years. It's interesting. I will say that, you know, when I had my tryout, obviously you're so young and you're just, all you are is focused on you. You don't have any idea what else is going on. Um, so when I was signed as a free agent uh, and had the opportunity to try out, it was free agent rookie camp. And it was three days, two a day practices. And uh, Slick Leonard was the coach. This was not something that he wanted, but it was a new owner. And Certainly publicity was involved, but I never looked at it that way because somebody gave me a chance. My brother was already playing in the pros, and uh, I was hoping to go to the 1980 Olympics. But, um, you know, you still had to be an amateur. But, you know, for me, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. I'd been the number one draft pick in the WBL, which was the very first league in this country uh, for women, and, um, but because I wanted to stay amateur. And then when this opportunity came, I felt it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but then looking back as I got older and after I played in the WBL and went to the superstars and got into broadcasting, I understood that, you know, there's other things involved and in not just being on the team. And uh, it's like anything in life. Um, you go for a job interview and five people are up for it. What's going to separate you? Who's going to make that decision and say, I want that person on the team or, or working for that organization. And so for me, I, I just felt that, uh, you know, what for whatever reason, Sam Nancy wanted me to try out. Um, and uh, I was had received a lot of publicity in Los Angeles with UCLA and my brother David and John Wooden. And so um, a lot of people knew who I was. And I had played at a high level. A lot of people say, well, you're not good enough. You're, you know, you're a girl. You can't play uh, at that level. Um, but I just overlooked that because of the kind of family that I grew up in. But from there, it, it just, you know, other women have tried out for different sports and so forth. And then there have been, I think Rick Pitino was one of the first to hire a woman as an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, we talk about that on the pro level, but we certainly don't see it on the, the college level, um, you know, as far as coaches hiring women on the, on the men's side in the, in the college level. Uh, but, you know, Becky's gotten a lot of publicity because of Pop, which is great, uh, but there's other women that have been on the bench, too. Jenny Busick's been in Dallas, and, um, you know, there's, there's been a few others, and also in the front office now. Uh, I think Susan O'Malley was the first president of uh, the Washington 
ca- uh, the Washington Bullets at the time before they become the, the Wizards. And uh, so there are more and more women be- getting into the, the NBA. Does it happen? Uh, there's a few women in, in the NFL that are assistant coaches. And it's going to take a, an owner. It's going to take a GM and a coach that are all on the same page to accept it and be confident with it. And the fact that Pop has such uh, seniority and respect in the game that people are supporting Becky. And Becky, Becky's been coaching her whole life. She's, her whole life she's been in the game of basketball. And so it doesn't matter what gender. Uh, it's a matter of earning that respect. And uh, it'll happen, but you hope that it'll happen for longer than a two-year contract. And I think it's very difficult for people in the front office to accept it more so than the players. And when the players know that you can coach and you're there for, uh, to support them and, and trust them and, and put your trust in them, I think the players are more adapting than, than sometimes the front office or the, the media and the fans are. So Shohei Tani switching to baseball has been getting a lot of run for hitting home runs and pitching. You know somebody very well, Don Drysdale. He had 29 home runs in the bigs. And you're like, what's the big deal here? <laughs> I know, isn't that something? But, you know, didn't they, they say, oh, honey, wants to, who's the, the big Japanese guy that came over back in the, the 70s, was it, the 60s? Oh, Sadaharo. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think he wants to break his record. But, yeah, I mean, just he's a big guy he's a, as a pitcher. But I think Donnie and, and uh, Don Newcomb hold the record for home runs for pitchers at 29. But, obviously, <laughs> that's going to be broken. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, had 113 ribbies, man. That guy, he he did yeah. it all back in the day. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was he was a good baseball player, and uh, I think the fact that being pitchers, it seems that pitchers really have a a knack as far as going to the booth. And I, uh, from my understanding, that Don always wanted to be a, a broadcaster, even when he was in his teens, and uh, when he got into the pros early on. So it wasn't something that because he was a baseball player, that he got to be a broadcaster. I think he always wanted to be a broadcaster after his playing days, and uh, he was fortunate enough to have a a 14-year playing career with the Dodgers, all with the Dodgers, and then then over 25 years of broadcasting before he passed. And who can forget acting on the Brady Bunch? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was in a few more than the the Brady Bunch. You're talking about our era in watching that. But I think he was in a few more. And, uh, like, the, I think he was in The Rifleman and Leave It to Beaver and uh, the Donna Reed show. And so he did a few of them. <laughs> well, rather than really uh, leave you a little queasy with my knowledge of the Brady Bunch, I think we'll just uh, wrap it up right here before I start scaring people. And we appreciate well, a few minutes coming on talking NBA Finals and, uh, and other assorted things, including the Donna Reed show. <laughs> well, thanks. And I just want to put in, in one uh, plug for the, uh, the Olympic team, not just the men, but the women's Olympic team is uh, pretty solid going after their seventh straight gold. And uh, Diana Trossi and Sue Bird for their fifth Olympic gold. And uh, they'll tie Teresa Edwards as their fifth Olympic. So yeah, I'm excited for the women in the WNBA and, and uh, see what the men do in the Olympics, yeah. too. The summer of basketball. That's right. Yep. Exciting. And thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
Take care. Ann Myers Drysdale, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President and a broadcaster in the organization as well. All right, DJ and PK, Bob Casper, bump back a little bit to make room for uh, Ann there. And we will talk with Bob next about the Open, the draft, who's going to win. We'll make our picks and we'll talk golf with him next. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This UNA Golf Open Championship update with Bob Casper is brought to you by Mountainland Supply, Zions Bank, Black Desert Resort, and Get Some Guns and Ammo. Bob joins us now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Bob, good morning. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. You go to a lot of major championships, and I get in the pandemic, that's all kind of slowed down and all that. But over time, you've been to a lot of them. But the British Open, that's the one I, I think you've only been to it a couple times that I know of. How many trips have you made to the Open? Um, just a couple. Brian and I, the last time we broadcasted from there and were there live was in 2005 when Tiger Woods won. And, uh, and we got to play the golf course the day after from the championship tees. So that was pretty cool. But we don't travel across the pond very often. Um, but, you know, it's great to get up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and watch it on television and watch it all day long. So in terms of <laughs> hallowed ground, how does it compare to some of the other places? Obviously, Augusta would be on the top of the list, but some of the other places that you've been in the world for golf. You know, the road is kind of interesting because, you know, they're playing at Royal St. George's this week. It's not a it's not a, a course that most of the guys like to play. Um, it's, uh, as they say, quirky. Um, but, you know, when we went in 2005, it was the home of golf. It was uh, St. Andrews. And um, it was right up there with any golf course I've ever played. Um, and I think just from the tradition and the nostalgia and the home of golf. So uh, some of the quirks, I've actually heard players complaining. There's too many blind tee shots. And yeah. you just even if you had a good shot, you still end up with some funky lie. The ball's above your feet. It's below your feet, whatever. It's, uh, is that the main complaint? Yeah, you know, the hitting it down the middle of the fairway, you could have two guys that hit it a foot apart from each other. One guy uh, ends up really, really good, and the other guy bounces weird and goes into the rough or will go into the, um, you know, a pot bunker or something like that. So um, it's it's just a weird golf course. It's got lots of bumps and rolls in the fairway. The greens have lots of weird undulation and bumps and rolls on them also. So you have to get... You have to hit good shots, but you have to have some luck to to win this week at the Open Championship at Royal St. George's. Do foreign guys, does this mean a little more to them or no? Yeah, you know, uh, anybody who lives outside the United States, the Open Championship does mean a little bit more to them. Um, you know, all the guys in the U.S. want to win the U.S. Open. They want to win the Masters. 
or the PGA Championship because those are all contested in the United States. This is the only one outside of the United States. Well, Bob, we got to do a draft here. And last time we did this, you picked John Rahm with the first pick, and he uh-huh. won the tournament. So everything that came after it was blah, 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 because if you win the tournament, that's it. <laughs> that's everything. Yes, that's correct. Now, that's it. PK says we got to have a winner, so we're going to add up strokes in relation to par, and if your guy misses the cut or withdraws, then you get the worst score for whoever finishes all four yeah. rounds. So that, that's basically yeah. going to get you beat. PK had somebody withdraw, and that, that sunk his ship. So okay. with, with that in mind, there's the ground rules. Uh-huh. John okay. Rahm is the favorite by a wide margin with the odds makers. You're just going to go John Rahm yeah. right out of the gate again? You're the guest. You get the first pick. 100% John Rahm. I knew, wow. I knew you'd do that. Two majors then, back-to-back? You know, there's a few guys that have done that, the U.S. Open and the British Open in the same year. Um, and John Rahm has a new outlook on life, a new lease on life. Um, he's coming off a, a winning a major championship, and I think he's going to play well again this week. How about the pressure on that, though? Because now, I mean, it's not like he wasn't expected to do well, but now he's really expected to do well. Yeah. You know, there's there's a, a little bit to that, but I think he can handle it. He's been able to, you know, only been on tour, what, five or six years, and he's been able to win and get his first major championship. I think he's I think he's okay. I think okay. he's in the in the driver's seat. So, right. so here's the interesting thing. When you look at this specific course, American uh-huh. golfers don't win there very often. Now, John Rahm, we're getting so international here. You know, they're guys who grow up other places, but they go to college in the U.S., and they reside in the U.S., and they play on the U.S. tour. So a uh, guy is or isn't an American. I mean, there's something to play in a course that's different, and the U.S. tour is basically, you know, Parkland golf. So it, this is just is. really different. So we can't go with this strict definition of what is or isn't an American. Rahm R- R- played college over here? Where'd he go? Yeah, he played it. Uh, uh, let me see. Some like uh, school like ASU or something like that. I, I, I just some Harvard of the West and low academics. <laughs> Harvard, Any, Harvard of the West. Anybody this <laughs> chair could get you. into it. <laughs> that's, okay. that's the party school of the West, not Harvard of the West. That's what I meant. <laughs> Same thing. They, they party at Harvard. Yep. All right. Yep. Uh, because the international guys tend to do well on this course, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Rory. Give me McElroy. Okay. Okay. You okay with that? Because you love to tell me I made a, a bleeped up pick. No, McElroy's, McElroy's <laughs> great. He's struggling with his driver. It'll be interesting to see how he plays this week. Um, you know, he, uh, he's been up and down, and uh, he won, you know, about a month or so ago, a month and a half ago. He'll still um, so, hit. He'll still hit bad drives, but he'll be okay because the yep. guys hitting good drives are going to have bad lice too. So this is going to yeah, bail him great. out. Yep, that's my logic. I'll it'll talk be, myself into it's that. A good pick. Okay. Good pick. Well, my thought okay. is that you know he's gotten himself into playing condition, so he's ready to go, and that would be Brooks Kepka. Okay. What good do you pick. think? You think you buy I that like logic? That. He's ready to go. Well, you know. I think he's feeling his oats too because he was asked a lot, a lot about uh, you know the conflict be- yeah. between him and and Bryson and that kind of thing and uh, and he's just he's very confident. He said when it comes down to it, at the end of the week he's going to be in contention and have an opportunity to win. So he's not worried about it. So he's he's uh, he's kind of boasting a little bit. So that's right. a good pick. Yeah. 
I like it too for what it's worth. I know you don't care what I think, but yeah. if he'd been available <laughs> yeah. in the second round, I'd have taken him. I would have. I considered taking yeah. him in the first round. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to you, Bob. Second round out of three. Who you got? Xander Shoffley. Mm. Didn't he just get married, though? I knew, I knew it. He did just get married. And listen. Women weak in putters. Time, <laughs> the, listen, but listen. The last time an American won at Royal St. George's, it was Ben Curtis, and he just got married as well. Okay, okay well, we're going to something there that has it's a connection. Not, it's not often. It's not often that Rocky movies and the British Open can come together in one storyline, but you did it, PK. That's right. So good for you. That's right. <laughs> Rocky, women weekend legs. That's right. K, PK. No, no not PK. No, it's PK. me. It's me. And uh, – I'm a little worried. I'm going to go ahead and pick this guy. I'm a little worried because I feel like he chased it for so long, and he finally, like the they always talk about the dog can't run after it catches the wooden rabbit. It's like, what am I chasing this thing for? What's the point of this? But I think he's ready to come back now. I'm taking DJ. Okay. He well, won a, he was runner-up last time in 2011 yeah. there at Royal St. George's. So, yeah, good. So before I make this pick, I want your opinion, because it seems like he's been in contention but hasn't been able to close the deal, and that's Gaptooth Oosthuizen. Well, he won the Open Championship at, at uh, St. Andrews. Um, he was right in the mix at uh, the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open, and um, I think Oosthuizen's probably a really good He's uh he's been playing well, and I wouldn't expect him to play any differently this week. Okay, but I'm going to go with Justin Thomas. Are you really? There you go. Yeah. See, I like that. I like that. That's a great pick. Justin Thomas is a great pick. Um, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he came over and he played the Scottish Open last week. Um, right. Had a chance to get, to kind of get in the realm of uh, Lynx golf, so I think he's a great pick. So. All right, your third-round pick. This is your last shot. Uh, for people who don't know, we all just assume this. Tony Finau is off the board. Uh, right. Otherwise, we would all pick him and, and suck up to him. And, we and like Charlie him. Hoffman, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you ready for my third pick? Yeah. I'm going to pick Jordan Spieth. Um, and uh, like, I said, like, like we've talked about before, he won – uh, earlier this year, the week, a uh, couple weeks before, uh, the Masters played well there. Played has played well in in the majors uh, this year. Um, not really um, getting high up there, but Jordan Spieth in the British Open um, since he started playing it, I think in fourteen, uh, he's never finished worse than thirtieth, and um, he loves links golf. He kind of uh, really takes to it. So I'm going to take Jordan Spieth this week. All right. Uh, I'll go ahead and take Louie then. I thought PK oh, was really going to take him. I wanted him. But I, I figured he wouldn't go. So why? I, I thought he'd be sitting there in this third round. So I'll take Thomas, who was a higher, better pick, and then I would just take yeah. Louie in the third round. Yeah. Sucks yeah. to be you. I'm oh, taking Louie. You, you weren't going to take him. I till absolutely I bull was. Crap. Oh, my goodness. Bull crap. Damn, cat fight. <laughs> yeah, we're like DeChambeau and Kepka here. <laughs> There's no way. You didn't even know he had a gap between his teeth. I don't care either. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so DJ oh, took Louie. Well, now I got to go back and redo it, man. <laughs> you I, just got to pick your next pick. I, well, I know, but I was going. Guys. I thought Louie was going, and he would still be available. I'd take him in I the third you guys, round. Okay, here's a couple people you like. You like Patrick Reed because he's cantankerous like you are. You like Patrick Cantlay. You've picked him multiple times. Could this be? I mean, there's some guys who are out there. Yeah, I know. I, well, yeah, there's plenty of guys who can, are out there. Yeah, yeah. but who are realistic. Still- but I got to pick one foreigner. So that was another reason for the Ustays. And I went with two Americans, but I've, I've got to go I've with a with, foreigner. I've gone with two foreigners. You got to go with a foreigner? Yeah. I mean, it's over there. Yeah, it's, 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 and on this course, the, the U.S. guys don't win that often on this course. Probably going TK, back to what you guy, said. TK, there's a guy that's ranked number one in front of Rory McIlroy. Or he's one spot in front of Rory McIlroy, and that's Terrell Hatton. He's played some good golf this year, so he might be a guy that you want on that you want to think about. Well, I've gone the last couple of rounds of picking Hovland, so I'll shoot myself or be mad if okay. I, if he if he were to win and I didn't pick him. But you know, I've also got sentimental favorites like Paul Casey, Lee Westwood just uh, got married. Who did he marry? What's her name? They're his caddy. What's her name? Brenda? No, I don't know. Oh. I don't know. It could be Brenda. Yeah. And, you know, when you got those guys, Sergio, everybody loves. Uh, and uh, Harris English, I mean, the big win. <laughs> and, then, of course, you got yeah, Abraham Answer. I know, I know he's not. So, I, I, how about Justin Rose? I mean, how about that? So. So yeah, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. He hasn't said we got to go to break yet, so I'm just dragging <laughs> <doesn't>. it out. <laughs> <laughs> we got. I got one more thing to talk to Bob about. Bob and I have to discuss this and feel, and feel good about it. All so. right, go ahead. And then I'll make and my you pick. keep thinking. Yeah, yeah Bob. Yeah. How about a shout out for Daniel Camarena, the Padre reliever who got his first hit in the majors, a grand slam off Max Scherzer <laughs> with the family and friends there. He is not just a. He's a San Diego kid. B.S. He's from Bonita. He's from the same yeah, – so I don't is. know if he's from Bonita Downs or Bonita Woods. You know all the neighborhoods and all the developments he, down there. He may, have, he may have gone to L.B. Allen. I don't That's know. Exactly That's exactly what I was thinking. Look it up. I couldn't. Yeah. I tried. I couldn't find it. Oh, I couldn't? <laughs> I couldn't. Sunny, I when I, I saw he's from Bonita, one, I was like, you know? well, yeah, where'd he go? Oh, that's interesting. I know. That stuff's yep. out there. Yep. All right. Is it my turn? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's – You need my pick right now? You ready? Uh, is it? Yeah. It's either now or never. Do I got like this time? Or, if, Go. or we could talk Go. more about Bob's hometown, Benita, California. No, I want to talk about Mapleton. Yeah. Benita is Spanish Go. for beautiful. Go. Uh, duh. <laughs> well, I know you know, but not everybody's. <laughs> Come on, PK. Tell us. So is Hermosa. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood. That's a good pick. I, I, I got to go with one in... foreign dude. Yeah. Right? He's yeah. Oh, I think you do. I think that's good logic. So, all right, there it is. Bob takes John Rahm out of the gate. He takes the favorite, and that would be quite the story. The British Open, U.S. Open double. We'll see if you get it, Bob. Yep. All right. Yep. You can go look okay, up Daniel guys. Camarena and find out uh, if he went to L.B. Allen Elementary, just like I you. I will. All right. I will. I will. He probably. He probably. He probably went to Valley View. <clears throat> he might have been. Yeah. He's got that attitude. He's got an edge. All right. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> And by the way, as Bob leaves us, we're going to give away another golfer in the Open Championship giveaway brought to you by Uinta Golf. Be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE, and you will be paired with a golfer. And this golfer's name will be... 
DJ, Dustin Johnson. There it is, my second round pick. All right, if your player wins, you'll receive the same brand of punter that's in his bag. It's brought to you by Uinta Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971. DJ and PK, final word, your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. A reminder, The Warehouse, The Big Show, Friday from 2 to 7. They'll be broadcasting live. Join them there at The Warehouse. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom, kaboom, boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Question of the day, what are some of the better what-ifs in sports? Well, if the queen, she'd be, you know. What if Kyle Beckerman had not been suspended for the CONCACAF <laughs> Champions League final? Oh, they're just torturing you on that. <laughs> well, the guy is an RSL man, so. Oh, maybe RSL he's soapbox contributor, USMNT fan, <laughs> father and husband. They would have won the CONCACAF Championship. They'd have gone to the World Club Championship. Oh, man. Yeah. It never ends. Yep. What if Urban's kids already knew how to hit a curveball? <laughs> Doug Fox sends that one in. You like that one? That's, it's just one. You know, I think he has two daughters. <laughs> Hands back, up the middle. <laughs> Chase sent in a funny one. I'll tell you off the air. I can't read it on the air. There'll be a meeting. But that was funny, Chase. I'll just give that one a like. That was good. Um, you, even you would be like, dude, you can't read that. So we'll move on. We'll try it. What if Barry Sanders was ever able to play for a real NFL team? He would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> Won Super Bowls? Well, football's such a team game, I, I can't say that. Yeah, and he was stuck with Maybe the Maybe he would have continued. Yeah. But he was great unto himself, for sure. Oh, here's a good one. <laughs> Chase says, what if Harleen dropped the ball? Obviously, obviously, I'm a Ute fan with forgiveness issues. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, that would have been something. That would have been the biggest gaff ever. Or if that pass doesn't make it to him. If it doesn't make it to him, then that's then just Then it's a, a long it's way to throw the play. ball and you couldn't get it there. Right. But if it hits him in the hands and he's right. all by himself in the end zone he and he drops it, it yeah. oh, my gosh. Right. And then his name goes down. Yeah, it was a tremendous throw by John, obviously. But if it would have been a little left or a little right, a little short, no one would have said, wow, John, you're really gagged. Harleen still would have been famous, but this would have been the opposite. It would have have been, if the pass wasn't great, we would have understood. But if Johnny would have dropped it, in a sense, man, didn't, didn't Robin Williams make a movie about that? Yes. Somebody dropping a pass yeah, or something? Yeah, it was actually a half-decent <laughs> movie for a cornball thing. I think it was him and Kurt Russell. The best, best of times. times. Yeah. Bakersfield versus Taft, which if you're from California. <laughs> I never would have got that. <laughs> oh, really? Come on. Well, you, you didn't live in the Central Valley. Did you ever go to the Central Valley that often? I've been to Taft Junior College. Oh, okay. All I've right, been then to Bakersfield. That, okay, then you do. Then yeah. you should get that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're right across from each other, so yeah, I have. But uh, Sacramento looks down on Fresno, and Fresno looks down on Bakersfield, and Bakersfield looks down on Taft. Well, I can understand why <laughs> in all cases. There's, there's a pecking order in the Valley. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that would have been something. The most famous play of the rivalry. Uh, we're getting one that we've gotten on uh, Facebook as well. People are saying, what if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt? That stays with a lot of them. Uh 
<laughs> this is this is a game that has a you've already mentioned the game, but this is a different what if for the same game. What? What if Andre Miller doesn't get hurt against Kentucky in 1997? And your what if was what if Alex Jensen is on the team instead of on his mission? See, but I blame Majerus on that. He blamed himself, and our photographer wasn't rolling, and I will forever, ever be grumpy about that. Because that team should have had Terry Preston on that team. And he said, in front of the media, before the cameras were rolling, as he rubbed the top of his head, (laughs) and I'm doing it right now with the hand coming over the top of the head down on the forehead, yeah. (laughs) I I really wish we had Terry Preston. Right. And my head... Snaps around at the photographer and the camera's the ground. And he hasn't put, he hasn't punched record yet. I'm like, oh, oh, right. oh, there it was. We don't have it. And he said it. He's all he needed. Preston could have come in and run the offense. Absolutely. For five minutes. Absolutely. He would have been a senior. He wouldn't have been overmatched. He had tournament experience and yeah, confidence. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He would have been yeah. able to do the thing. Uh, he would have been in earlier in the game for a few minutes, not for long because Andre was so yeah. good. You didn't want to take him out. I yeah. Don't think, I don't think they would have played together that much. Probably not. Not against Kentucky. But, but Terry could have handled backup point guard Absolutely. extremely competently. Yep. And they put in a freshman. And Majerus said it. I mean, he said it right there. And I was just, I was closer to him then than I am to you right now. Yeah. Didn't it, have it. It was obvious. All right, finally, we'll wrap it up with this. Greg says, thankfully, DJ stopped himself short of breaking down Brady Bunch episodes. <laughs> that time Greg lost dad's drawings, it's still hard for him to talk about. <laughs> I don't remember the episode. Very specific. Do you remember it? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a stupid, it must have been pay to play. I think they, get, they went to an amusement park in Cincinnati on a vacation for a meeting. It's the oh, most it's contrived thing. Famous amusement they, park. It's a little outside of Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. and they, they ran a relay all the way across the... Uh, the park to get and the dad was working back in time. Yeah, dad had a meeting. Was yeah at the park. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so why was Greg having? They'd switch roles. Someone had bought a poster, and so he unrolled the drawings, and it was the poster the kids had bought because they'd switched containers. <laughs> <laughs> How hey, do you know this? True story. My no, start in radio. No, I, I regret my question. Too late. My start in radio. I'm a freshman in the dorms, and one of the kids in the dorm hall, Dan Kerman, who now does uh, is a news reporter at Cron TV in the Bay Area, he had a trivia show. And there was a guy who did TV, a guy who did movie, a guy who did sports, and a guy See who did tomorrow, music. <laughs> and I won so many prizes, pizza, movie passes. We'll be talking about the Suns-Bucks, game four. For sports, <laughs> that he had me down after two weeks, he had me down on the show. That's how I started doing college radio. And sitting next to these guys who knew the that TV music. That should be a good game. TV music and movie stuff. I memorized a lot Can of it. Booker shoot well again. We'll have to see if he rebounds. You know from his poor shooting performance and a lot of stuff to hit. So please, I'm begging you, come back tomorrow. <laughs> Classless Skip Ba says, "What if Frank Layden didn't trade Del Curry to Cleveland? Steph's born in Salt Lake, and he'd want to play for the Jazz. Oh, a la LeBron. Yeah, see." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one right there. A little bit of a reach, but funny. I like it. Yeah. In the spirit of what we were after. Exactly. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Scotty and Hands are up next. We'll see you tomorrow.